Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to We're Drunk and We Know Things. Hello. All right. What's going on? Oh, not bad. Sun's at it. Well... Is this this the first outside record of the year? It is. Oh, auspicious. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I might be using that word wrong. (laughs) No, I think... Yeah, all right. Uh, We're back at Crafty Jays. We are. Because it's the first outside recording. Yeah, we'll be outside now, so yeah. So, uh, yeah, JBs, we'll see you in... (laughs) Wow. About nine months. Wow. Oh, we'll come to that. Uh, We kind of have to uh, uh, talk about the elephant in the room. There's no way to talk about our producer. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) No, this is... An auspicious occasion. Mm. This is the last ever. No, not going to say ever. It's the last episode of We're Drunk and We Know Things that we currently have planned. Yes. Uh, We've had a terrible falling okay. out. <laughs> no, we, we, we talked about having like a bit and, and doing the dramatic We were going to do Zulu and, and then have a fight uh, at one point, but that was yeah. about three years ago. <laughs> uh, but no, the time has come, mm. the war has said. <laughs> Sure. Word association. Just yeah. like, uh, no, the time has come. This is uh, the last episode for various reasons, none of which I'm going into on something I'm booking on well, the just internet. Just one reason. Various reasons. <laughs> Sick of the sight of them. We've been uh, bought by the Vox Media Podcast <laughs> yeah, exactly. Network. This is the last episode We've of We're Drunk We Yeah, this is the last episode we'll be doing. Uh, John Krasinski and Adam <laughs> Pally will be doing this from next month. <laughs> I'm still producing. And we wish them the yeah, best. Yeah, you're producing still. That was our stipulation. Got to teach them the hand signals, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, signals? Oh, there are multiple that you ignore. <laughs> yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. It's not that we've been ignoring them, it's that you've never told us what they are. We just think you're just, like, having a fit every episode. <laughs> Doing some kind of hand samba. He just it takes the time while we're talking to practice his mime every month. <laughs> Um, yeah, sure. Anyway, anyway, so because it's the last one, yeah. uh, we have had, on and off for the past four years, mm. uh, a, a, an argument slash debate slash denial, Indeed. whereby one of ours, in fact both of ours, but one of ours absolutely favourite movies of all time mm. uh, was not allowed to be on the podcast because no. my concern was that it would take probably two and a half hours to record. Yeah. And Salo is like a real downer to watch. <laughs> It would turn into nothing but a masturbatory gush. Mm. I know what I said. Oh, God. Oh, God. Maybe with a bad podcast, I think. And, uh, yeah, as this is the last one, we couldn't really put it off anymore. No, no. We thought that (laughs) it would be a great opportunity to go out with with a bang rather than our traditional whimper. Yes. And therefore... uh, never say never. There's plenty of time to do our outro still. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, this intro is already ten minutes of meh. But, therefore, this month on We're Drunk We Know Things, we are finally going into the water, needing a bigger boat, and discussing Jaws. That's what I do. I drink... And I know things. Yes. So. So. Let's get finally, them all in. we're gonna do. Oh, it's gonna be a real tour de force. Uh, yeah, we're finally doing Jaws. Finally. 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 All right. 
Uh, yeah, we're doing Jaws. And I See, have this had is a the kind real... of This is the kind of energy that I was trying to avoid. <laughs> no, uh, no. In all seriousness, um, I've, had a, I've had a ball this last couple of weeks. I've, I've read and watched more. I've probably done enough research to write a little book myself, let alone knock out an hour-long podcast. I think you probably should. <laughs> I don't think I'd add anything. It would just be regurgitating points from other people's books. Well, but you could find the one thing that isn't already on the internet and well-known about this film. Yeah, yeah, indeed. indeed. So, so this is going to be super educational, guys. It is. So strap <laughs> in. It's going to be... When was it made? 1974. All right. Well, it was made in 1973, technically. Yeah. Then it came out in 1974. Yeah. What's it based on? It's based on a book. By who? Peter Benchley. Correct. Called, I'm going to do this entire podcast in the form of a called, form of thing. <laughs> originally, the book was going to be called The Jaws of Death, which weirdly is actually another like, right, movie okay. now. Right, okay. uh, and something else like um, Jaws of, of Doom or something. Uh, okay. And eventually, uh, yeah, I think Peter Bentley's editor said, why don't you just stick with Let's the central Jaws. premise? Yeah, yeah. Call it Jaws. And oh, thus, I, um, the lesser-known legend that gave birth to a legend was born. So, yeah, so I know quite a lot about the film. Um Right. As 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 bragging, but uh, because I just recently did I mean, a lot of dear research. listener, he's literally wearing an Amity Police t- uh, sweatshirt. Yeah, I'm wearing an Amity. T- Amity oh, what's under that, Mike? I'm, I'm wearing an Amity t- um, Regatta T-shirt underneath yeah. it as well. Yeah, yeah. If uh, you weren't going out for a meal after this, then uh, I'd have worn the hat too. But um, we are, so I didn't. I mean, that is definitely where restaurants draw the line. It's true. At headgear it's that true. can be removed. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it was. It's based on uh, Peter Benchley's novel from 1973. Um, oh, 73. but we've got some stories to tell you. So it's directed by Steven Spielberg. It was a budget of three and a half million, which is horseshit because it was more like nine million. But we'll come yeah. to that. It Cost was written by money. Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb, and seemingly quite and a lot of other people. Various other people. Howard stuck Sackler, there, or in. Spielberg. They were basically making the scenes up the night before they shot them every day, and so on. Um, the producers were Richard D. Zanuck and David Brown. This is actually important for once, at least for the beginning of the story. We don't normally go into producers. They're like super producers in Hollywood. Just take my word for it. Look at the Wikipedia page or read various books about Hollywood and they will come up all the time because you'll recognise the name from a million films. They were just off the back of making The Sting, which obviously was an enormous success and is a banger. And, oh, we should have done that. Nope, it's not the last episode. Change everybody's plans. We've got to do The Sting on the podcast. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Um, And then the music is by the great Johnny Wilbo. That's what I call him. I mean, that's, uh, that's we're not what... friends or anything. I just can never remember his name. <laughs> that's what everybody calls him. <laughs> yeah, it's by John Williams. Uh, I mean, maybe the fam- most famous the, thing to come out of the film? The, the exception to the rule. Mm. Never trust a man with two first names. It's true. It's true. Um, I've just got it written down here that just says timeless story, not generational mythical story. Sure. Um, because I, mean, I might, have had, ex- few, I might you, have had a few drinks last night while I was looking at my on that point? <laughs> I will later. Well, I tell you what, whilst we're into the story, shall we do a quick uh, little plot? Plutty yes. Plutty? There's a fish. It eats a kid. They kill it. Thanks. I mean... It's taken me four years, but I'm finally concise. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> no, so, in all seriousness, Chief Brody, he's just moved to Amity. Well, he's moved just prior to the summer, because it's his first summer, with his family for a quiet life. One man can make a difference. Yeah, he's weirdly... come out of New York City where he was a cop. He's yes. now the chief of police yes. in Amity, yes. uh, which is a small kind of seaside resort actually uh, modelled on... <laughs> he's modelled on Long Island, but it's basically Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> it is basically Jersey. <laughs> Model on uh, like Martha's Vineyard, uh, yes. where in fact it was it Which was filmed. Was shot, yes, um, yeah. But this idea that yeah, these these locations, these locales that mm. at the time were not necessarily anywhere near as affluent as they are now. No, it, and um, that was the point. They needed a location that was lower middle class. That it was believable that if people couldn't go to the beach, then they were fucked. Yes. So basically, beginning of the summer, uh, girl gets uh, Chrissy. Well, Chrissy, uh, nice rack. Yes. <laughs> yeah, when you buy the 4K of Jaws, there's suddenly significantly more nudity than you remember yeah. for the last 30 years remember of watching this film. No, indeed. Oh, the opening moments of Jaws, you're like, you see that woman's tits? <laughs> okay. She's, she's running. She's running. <laughs> she's running. Uh, anyway, so she dies. Yeah, she and dies. And it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that uh, they find <laughs> what's left of her. Yes. In uh, a beautiful moment, <laughs> which is basically an armpit, a shoulder, and an arm, and, and some crabs. I don't know why I started with the armpit, but anyway, yeah, they found an arm. <laughs> don't you always just start found with an arm. armpit? Oh. Anyway, so she gets uh, washed up, um, yeah. and then poor old Deputy Hendrix is all sick and everything, and he's not very happy. Yes, uh, the uh, medical examiner uh, initially says initially it's a shark says attack. It's a shark attack, and Brody immediately closes the right? beaches. Like, close the beach, need to get the Coast Guard out. We've got someone from the Oceanography Institute coming over. It's all going to be good. And then Mayor Larry Vaughan. Who is slimy a scumbag in the film. He's amazing. But nowhere near as much of a scumbag as he is in the book. We'll, no, we'll come on to that. Um, but, yeah, he uh, points out to Brody that actually you can't close the beaches. You close the beaches on your authority? And what authority, whatever authority do I need? Yeah, all right. Are we uh, not going to do the thing where I just do all the dialogue of no. yours? Otherwise we'll be here for... Two hours and four minutes? <laughs> Touché. <laughs> I love this film. <laughs> anyway, yes. So he said, you can close the beaches down. He said, no, you can't. They have they a town meeting. The beaches. They open the beaches. And then Mrs. Kittner, or Alex Kittner, a little kid, gets chomped. Yes. He gets chomped. And Pippet. No. Pippet gets killed. Oh, yeah, he does. Pippet! This is the main difference between this film and The Meg is that the dog doesn't make it no, in this indeed. film. No, indeed. Pippet and the Alex Kittner get uh, killed. And uh, Alex Kittner gets killed in a, a fairly obvious, it is definitely a shark. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, it's not a boating accident. Justice for Pippet. And um, so... Um, Justice for Pippet. <laughs> Justice for Pippet. Not mentioned again, that poor dog. Well, anyway. I mean, kids. Actual Whatever. people die. There's loads of kids. <laughs> loads of dogs. I mean... Yeah. Anyway. Well, to be fair, if I had to pick one, you know, anyway, anyway. So, <laughs> anyway. Uh, they then have uh, the town meeting and we're introduced to... The, the, the town, essentially. Well, specifically, who's at the town meeting? So, it's... Don't uh, say the town. It's <laughs> the, the, the town, it's the town meeting, Rob. Um, it is, of obviously, of course, Harry Meadows, who is the head of the local newspaper, although most of his scenes are cut, so it's not really established. Yeah. But if you know, you know. And he's played by Carl Gottlieb, who is also the screenwriter. Um, it's obviously Mayor Larry Vaughan. It's the uh, medical examiner blokey who's called Dr. Brent, I believe. Um, terif- not terrifying. A huge amount of this cast are just people that lived at Chap- Chapapiqua, yeah. who lived on that island. So there's like Roy Schneider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfus, Lauren, Lauren Gary, Man- Murray Hamilton and Carl Gottlieb. And then pretty much everybody else is somebody that lived on... Li- yeah. yeah, lives there, yeah. Um, the, the, all the hoteliers obviously survive on the summer dollars. They need those summer dollars. So they say, sweet, oh, you can't... Sweet summer you can't shut for, you're going to shut them. We, the Brody says we're going to shut the beaches. The mayor interrupts and says, only for 24 hours. Um, I didn't 20, agree to that. 24 hours is like three weeks. Uh, somebody yells in the background. Then Quint appears. Scratching his fingers board. down a chalkboard. Which he's, he's taking the time to draw <laughs> a giant shark it's on. It's so good. It's, it's got a big pointy nose yeah. on it as well, that shark. I love it. So he's like, um, 
So, because Mrs. Kittner has put up a bounty of $3,000 for the shark, um, local fisherman uh, that you know may have your own arrangement with Mrs. Kittner, as the mayor says, he says, um, I'm not going to catch it for, it's a, it's a mean fish, I'm not going to catch it for three. Um, I'll catch him for three. I'll find him for three. I'll kill him. I'll hunt him and kill him for ten. Um, and so begins the incredibleness of Robert Shaw in this film. Because every time, I, you forget, I've watched interviews with him while in the making of this film, and then when he goes back to his normal voice, Robert Shaw talks like this. Hello, I'm Robert Shaw. Yeah, oh yeah, it's very interesting here. In Maine, oh yeah, there's an awful lot of incest from what I understand going on at Martha's Vineyard. Seriously, actual quote. We'll come to that, but anyway. So anyway, Quinn enters. He does. Uh, and, then he, and then he leaves. He does. <laughs> He says, thanks, everyone, and he goes. Um, so then, Meanwhile, we've got uh, a bunch of fishermen going out yeah. to try and catch the thing. Yes. Uh, also, enter stage left. Matt Hooper. Matt Hooper from the Oceanography Institute. Hoopa! There's going to be a lot of Robert Shaw impressions going on oh, in this podcast, guys. Can we, the can we make so a rule that only <laughs> the only dialogue that you can do, it doesn't have to be what he said, but you have to do it in Quinn's no, voice. No, no. He's so good. Right. So, so Hooper joins, Hooper arrives, um, and he essentially, um, they catch a tiger shark. It, Hooper says, that's not big enough. That gob isn't big enough to be the shark that you're after. He goes to the um, Brody's house in the evening, where, which is my favorite part of the whole film. I know it sounds silly. That part where the sun mirrors Brody, yep. and then Hooper arrives, and Brody pours that massive glass of wine, and then she says, Martin, can you do that? And he just goes, I can do whatever I want. I'm, I'm a chief, chief of police. police. <laughs> It's my favourite scene. It's my favourite scene. I love it. So they go and cut the shark open. The kid and the kid, not in the shark. So it's not the shark. It's not the shark. So then they say, it's not the shark. And the mayor says, I don't care if it's not the shark. It'll be fine. And he said, I understand that you're going to ignore this particular they problem. They have to go out on a boat. They have to go out on a boat. This is very important because it's on, yeah. they're going out on the boat. Yeah. Actually, it's fully established that yeah. uh, Chief Brody does not like boats yeah, he didn't or like the, the sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never yeah. explain why. No, it's just just afraid of water. That's all. But, that. Yeah, um, doesn't matter, right? Does it matter? Because like now, if this movie was made now, there'd be some flashback to his terrible thing that happened to him. Doesn't matter. He's afraid of water. It's fine. He lives on an island. Oh. It's fine. Um, so yeah, they're out. Basically, <laughs> he's continuing. What is it? He says, "I'm not drunk enough to get on a boat." It's like, yes, you are. He then yeah. takes a bottle of wine with him on the boat. And he because that's what he's talking about. One man in amity, one man can make a difference. Yeah, continues to get absolutely shit faced yeah. until such time as they find uh, a floating boat. They find Ben Gardner's boat. Gardner, yes, indeed. Who'd basically been out looking for the shark. Mm -hmm. Turns out he found it. Yeah. Um, or did it find him? There is a truth. Embedded mm. in the boat, and uh, the only freaky jump scare in the entire film. Yes. Which is actually made slightly less freaky by virtue of the fact that, because it's the 70s, they score the jump about, I don't know, like half a second really, after. It really, yeah, yeah, it really telegraphs. It's really weird. Um, it? yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's not So the hip pops out, makes everybody jump. And anyway. then, uh, so now they're back and they're saying to the mayor, oh my god, this is a thing, this shark's massive. Also, we lost a tooth, so we haven't got any proof. Yeah. Don't worry about the boat with a human head in it. Yeah. Not, not proof enough. Or the fact that this guy no is tooth. literally a shark expert who you brought in <laughs> to be an expert on sharks. We found a boat that was beaten up by a shark and it's just got a human head in it. But have you got a shark tooth? No. Well, then I don't believe you. <laughs> um, and that's then. He owes all that money to the mafia. Then oh, wait, that's the book. <laughs> we have the 4th of July. We have something that is literally described in the soundtrack as montage. Yes. Everybody arrives. Mm. They're patrolling uh, because they've not been allowed to close the they've beaches. They've got shark spotters. They've got people out on boats. All they've that got kind of a really business. cool helicopter. Yes, they but do. I'm pretty sure it's the same helicopter that gets eaten in Jaws 2, right? Yes, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
and then, alert. Uh, and then two little boys. Well, there's a shark on the beach, and it turns out it's two little boys swimming around with a sh- fake shark fin. But while they're all distracted, fucking shark's only gone in the pond. And who who's in the pond? Brody's kids. Brody's kids. He Put said, go in, in the pond to be safe. safe. But the pond's for old ladies, Dad. I know it's for old ladies, but do it for the old man. All right. <laughs> uh, do it in Quinn's voice. <laughs> it's Brody. So, yeah, it's irrelevant. <laughs> the shark... Uh, well, the shark the, kills somebody else the in the pond. The shark eats a guy and basically puts the kid into shock. Yeah. Which, whatever. And then, then the next thing is the hospital and Brody's had enough. And he's like, you got a pen, Larry? You remember pens? And then he makes him sign the charter for Quint. And now, half, fully halfway through this film, now we're going to get this fucking thing. There is an amazing moment in between the two where after he's uh, picked up his son and what have you and he looks and mm. the camera pushes in on the window yeah, and it just keeps pushing until all you can see is the sea yeah, yeah, as yeah. a precursor it's like oh yeah they're going, going out there they're going i got to put aside my fear of the sea got to um, save my kids yeah so not enough electric guitar in this track in the soundtrack for me bit, bit more harpsichord than you'd expect <laughs> Considerably more. Yeah. So anyway, so they go and see Quint, and Quint's like a dick to Richard Dreyfus And everybody. And everyone. Yeah, he's just he's just a dick. Um, uh, and then they go and get on the boat, and they go and catch fish. Yeah. They float around for a bit. He uses like a fishing rod, because he's like, doesn't realize that it's 20 foot, 25. Um, oh, he was Cornish in that impression. Uh, and then uh, they realize how big the shark actually is, um, and they start putting barrels in him. So they put one barrel in, and he goes down. Two barrels in, he stays down for a bit. He says, shooting with a third barrel. Can't stay down with three barrels. Not with three of them, he can't. But he does. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've had uh, the realisation that Quint's boat is a giant floating heap of shit. And he's a fucking nutcase. He's also a nutcase. He's smashed the radio. Yep. Uh, so they can't actually talk That's to anybody. That's great! You son of fireball, you know that! Anyway, okay, no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, has continued to be an absolute dick to everybody. Yes, he has, yeah. And um, has very nearly sunk the boat by yes. tying it off against um, the... the... Yeah, 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 on the cleats on, on the, the back. On the cleats on yeah, the back. Yeah. Uh, and it ends up getting pulled backwards by El Giant Chuck. Uh, we then get the amazing scene where it's the evening and he tells us Indianapolis story, which is arguably one of the... Well, arguably the most famous bit, I suppose, really. That, you know, black eyes, like a doll's eyes, that kind of... Oh man, I've wanted to do that for like four years. I don't, I don't years. think it is. I don't think it's the most famous. <laughs> do you not think it is? No, that I think the most famous bit is where Brody's chumming and the shark comes out of the water. Oh, 100%. And he stumbles back and Slow walks ahead. Into- I could go slow ahead. Why don't you come down here and chum some of this shit? Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Stumbles back and says, yeah. We're going to need a bigger boat. So they actually changed that. So when they first did the screenings of the film, um, it like makes him jump and he stumbles back and says we're gonna need a bigger boat but apparently people were screaming in the test in the test screen he's like ah the shark oh my god so that line was being missed because they were still screaming whilst he was delivering it so his reaction where he like bolts up into frame and then backs into the cabin is to is give to people give time, time to shut the fuck up stop screaming so they can hear him deliver his dialogue yeah, ah, yeah. Nice. Uh, that's a, a, actually an interesting life lesson for anybody who's in a cinema <laughs> yeah. shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah. It's not a real shark. You're fine. <laughs> Scream inside like the rest of us do. Yeah. Also, I told you I, I convinced someone to leave a cinema during Saw 2 once. No. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, as, as a special for our listeners, we'll let Mike do the entire of the Indianapolis speech as a blooper <laughs> no, at the end. No, we won't. No, we definitely so, won't. Uh, listen, 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 listen to the end. Yeah, listen to the end. 
Um, so yes, so he does eat the ampullary. The, the 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 shark then becomes just straight up attacking, starts straight up attacking the boat, trying to sink it, and frankly succeeds. It's a cross between <laughs> the shark and then Quint going further out to sea with the engine on full, even though the no, engine's full of seawater. Oh, they're heading back in. Of course, yes, of course they are. Of course they are. But he knows they're heading back yeah. in, and therefore, arguably, I mean. The, you think he tanks the engine on purpose? Yeah, well, the morals and uh, the inner workings of Quint are mm. oh. interesting. We'll come on to this, no yeah, doubt, yeah. because he is a habian yeah. in his approach to this. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I think, he, I, think he, nice. I think he kills it on purpose. Fair. No, fair, I can see that. Can see that. Uh, but also, it could just be that he's being a dick. So then he's, he's like, hoopa! Hoopa! Um, what what do all these toys of yours do? He's a sergeant major. Hoopa! <laughs> and yeah, now he's Lee Emery from uh, <laughs> from Full Metal Jacket all of a sudden. Um, so no, so then um, Hooper gets in the cage and um, just immediately fucks it, but yeah. escapes. And First we'll opportunity to, to fuck this up. The reason, he takes it. The reason it breaks and he escapes and uh, he uh, manages to get get away. Uh, and the reason the shark attacks the cage in the way it does, I'll tell you a story about that later. It involves a midget. <laughs> right. I mean, let's take that again. It involves a little person. <laughs> sure. Didn't expect me to say that, did you? <laughs> I actually know this fact, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. Meanwhile, he's basically uh, Hooper, Hooper's escaped from the cage yep. the and shark is now jumps hiding. Onto, yeah, yeah. He goes and hides. on the sea floor. The shark jumps onto the back of the boat and it breaks the. Whatever it is. The back. The stern? The stern. Yeah. And then uh, Quint slides down and slides directly into the mouth. Um, stabs it with a machete. Which is actually quite nasty. Yeah. It's got great. I don't know if it's got nastier on the 4K, but... And all that blood pulls out of Quint's mouth and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's pretty like gross. Some yeah, it's good blood cuts your work. It's a 12. No, it's, I think it's a PG, actually. The, yeah, anyway. Um, so anyway, so he gets eaten. The boat's sinking. It jumps into the boat and Schneider hits it with an air tank, which is Chekhov's. He doesn't uh, just jump tank. into the boat. He comes through a window. Yeah, yeah. At indeed. this point, you're like, really? <laughs> Smash through a window. Fuck it, I'm just going to roll with it. He goes, oh yeah! And then <laughs> <laughs> um, he smashes through a window. Brody's hitting him with a scuba tank, which is Chekhov's scuba tank because it's uh, pre pre warned earlier that they're they're explosive. Um, and he chucks it in a shark's mouth. He climbs up onto the mast as the boat sinks using the. Uh, presumably navy rifle of Quint says smile you son of a blows up the scuba tank exploding the shark and then Hooper realising that all the hard work's been done for him just goes <laughs> yeah. pops up and is like oh is it all Hello. done where's Quint and he just says no and then they go alright we'll swim and yeah. then he does and they do they swim to land and then roll yeah. very short credits roll a picture of the very short credits over a picture of the beach Let's crack straight on reproduction. I cannot tell you how happy I am to finally be talking about this. Okay. Well, on mic. <laughs> I talk about the production of Jaws all the yeah, time. Sorry. It's, it's I a... had a job interview the other day where I gave a presentation Let's on Jaws. Let's not go into that. And that's how much I love Jaws, is all I'm saying. No. So, David Brown sees an article about a book coming out in Cosmopolitan magazine, which is edited by his wife, Helen Gurley Brown. So he contacts Sorry, the publisher. Sorry, her middle name is Gurley. Yes. I, th- I believe it's double-barreled. So Gurley, knee Gurley, married Brown. Helen Gurley Brown. Her family invented the Gurley Whirly. They're the Curly Whirly Gurleys. <laughs> I'll allow it. You know what? That's, That's canon. A blatant pie full, but I'll allow it. Somebody get on Wikipedia. 
anyway so um because obviously he was an enormous um film producer 15 feet tall um no because he was a, great, uh, a very famous and accomplished film producer along with zanuck um they would often as is the way i don't know if people know this but books when they are before they are released even when they're not the final manuscript publishers will often try and sell the movie rights yeah so they got copies of this still unfinished book um and read it uh, and loved it and they uh, david brown actually says that um if they'd read it twice, they never would have made it because they realised it would have been a real fucking pain in the ass to make it. arrive on somebody's desk with a post-it note on the cover saying, would it make a good movie, question mark. Yes, exactly. So that's <laughs> or might what, make a good movie. That's what she, she put the post-it note on the, on the Cosmo article. Indeed. And a curly whirly next to it. And a curly whirly next to it. Um, so um, in April 1973, they buy the book rights for $175,000, which is a million dollars in 2020. Which is? Which is substantial. This is uh, a book by, I believe, is his first time author? Uh, he was a journalist, so I think oh, this right. was his first novel. Fiction, fictional, first yeah. novel kind of thing, right. Um, so, uh, first of all, they asked John Sturges to make it, who had made The Magnificent Seven, and more appropriately, The Old Man and the Sea. Um, so he had filmed a, a film about boats recently. <laughs> <laughs> that had boats in it. I haven't seen The Old Man and the Sea. I have seen Magnificent Seven, no boats in there. Yeah. Uh, he turned it down. Um, Spielberg had just made Sugarland Express for them um, as producers. Uh, the film hadn't come out. Um, and he picked up a copy of the still unpublished novel while he was in their offices and read it and absolutely loved it and said, oh, I'd, I'd like to do this. He compared it to Jewel that he just recently made. So Jewel yeah. is his first TV movie. Big trucks. Big, uh, it's a truck chasing a guy in a, in a car, basically. Um, and he said it's like a leviathan targeting an everyman is, is what he's quoted as saying. Which he later came to regret, <clears throat> but I'm sure you'll come on to that. So this is a real gamble, right? It's a first-time author on a book that's not been published and they haven't proven that it's going to be popular made by a film director that's made his first movie but it hasn't been released yet so they don't even know if that's going to be a, a, um, a success, um, a success. Um, and just the technical difficulties of making a fucking movie on a shitload of boats so quite a big quite a big deal so um, weirdly actually the noise of the truck that's being destroyed in duel at the end when it crashes and explodes is the same noise that the shark makes when it roars at the end nice he likes to reuse stuff right so like George Lucas uses does the same thing. He uses the noise of the Millennium Falcon um, stalling for the noise of the engine starting on the plane at the beginning of Raiders. That's a Millennium Falcon noise. Ah. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg uses that from Star Wars. Sorry. I mean, you, I, yeah. I love the fact that they do this as like, oh yeah, we're just going to reuse these things. Like, yeah, you still went five million dollars <laughs> over budget. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah. good work on the recycle, yeah. Steve. Yeah. So um, on October in October 1973, they were set with a three and a half million dollar Dodger bu- Dodger a Dodger bullet. Stop rushing through this, Mike. Got all the time in the world, baby. He have had a, a, a three and a half in a three and a half million dollar budget um, with 55 days of filming. Now, remember that. 55. We'll come back. 55 days. We'll come back to that. All right. So, um, Benchley writes the first draft. Um, Spielberg wants to keep the shark hunt stuff basically at the end, but then the first half wants to change to all original screenplay bits, um, which we'll come to later with the bug, which is yes and no. There's it's a lot of changes, but not. I mean, effectively, not he moved completely. up because it's the last 120 pages of the book of yes, the shark hunt. Indeed. And he yeah. wanted to make that predominantly the second act yes, of the absolutely. film. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of stuff that he cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he. Um, 
does three drafts uh, and is and then is described as all written out. So he's, he just can't do it's anymore. Undone. Basically, undone. <laughs> Literally, um, can't they remove plots about. Well, we, we, we won't remove. We'll talk about that now. We'll talk about. Well, the yeah, it's, it's basically eventually wrote uh, the novel is actually quite cynical. Mm. Um, and yeah, I do remember it being. They uh, they felt yeah. that even after his three goes at it, it was still. What was it? Most of the characters were just innately dislikable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they had to have another go because you need that camaraderie, right? Of the three of them on the boat, as even as contentious and fractious as Hooper and Quint are, you still need. It's like right. It's like science, the everyman, and the spiritual, right? You've got like what? I've done a lot of reading what about the Jaws. Fuck, are you talking about? Anyway, so I knew I shouldn't uh, have said anything like that. I I didn't write it down. Science, the everyman, and the spiritual. Yeah. Quince it's the, the spiritual. holy trinity of yeah. Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. I'm amazed I can still hear you with your head that far <laughs> up your own ass. All right, any, all right, all right, all right, fine, I'm fine. Well, that's good because we've got a whole section I can skip now of my notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, feel free, but I'm just going to pour scorn. No, indeed. Um, so like so randomly, much chum I don't know why on troubled waters. <laughs> I don't know why I've got this note in here. But I've just got that the orca was originally called the Warlock and repainted. The Warlock? The Warlock. Oh, Warlock. It was a fishing okay. boat called the Warlock and they repainted it and dressed it up. I don't know why it's there in my notes. It should be. Well, it's possibly something to do with the fact down. that the, uh, the, they had to keep repainting it because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the sign on the back moves. <laughs> I love um, how much stuff they're like, well, we'll do all this stuff. And then they put it in water and they're like, oh, it, none of this stuff works in water? What did you think you were doing? <laughs> Who did you. What, did, what was the brief? <laughs> anyway. So, um, script rewrites were very much ongoing, and between November 73 and April 74, so right up until filming, essentially, uh, they got John Milius to do a um, rewrite. He had famously written Apocalypse Now. Um, oh, Billius Milius. Billius Milius. <laughs> and, um, and Carl Gottlieb. So he was called in. So he was given the role of Harry... Harry I don't uh, have a funding name uh, for him. Uh, Harry somebody. Can't remember his name now. Um, but he's Meadows. in the film. Meadows, thank you. He's in the film. I understand he's a much bigger part in the book. But yeah. he, he, he did more scenes. They got cut out. But he said, hilariously, he wrote... He removed the scenes for his own character because he didn't think they worked. So he got a job as a writer and basically wrote himself out of the film. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. So they were ongoing, just constantly ongoing. Scenes were being finished the night before shooting. Um... He, um, Spielberg lived in a big old log cabin house thing, um, as they tend to in these big giant places in America. Um, but he lived with Carl Gottlieb um, and just did constant rewrites every single night. So the scenes were different every day. And then he would have all the cast over every single night, working on the characters, refining the dialogue. Apparently there's a surprising amount of improvisation in this film as well, yeah. which I hadn't really realised. Um, and yeah, so it was very much like he made like a little theatre troupe. Well, if you're handing if you're handing the actors the script that morning, yeah, yeah. they're probably not going to have it off make book. It, yeah, no, make it your own, yeah. So, and also he's got like a really like tight group of actors, right? He's got like six professional actors and everybody else is just someone from the island. Yeah. So he's got like a real little repertoire company that he can really work closely with, um, which definitely, you feel that in the film, right? I mean, all these things which were born out of necessity, lack of money, fuck up with special effects, which will come to all that kind of stuff. That's why this film is good. Because it was like, we've got to figure this out. And luckily, he was literally Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Even at 26. So anyway, and that, I never ever stop forgetting that he fucking made Jaws when he was 26 and you were having a laugh. <laughs> yeah, but he also went $5 million over budget. <laughs> yeah, and like 110 days over shooting schedule, yeah. So anyway, so, um, so yes, very much ongoing. So um, the credits for the Quint monologue is, is a very... Uh, argued over subject. Contentious? Contentious, that's, that's the one. Um, 
It was originally written by Milius and then rewritten by, um, they got Howard Sackler in, who was a Tony and Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. Yes. And he did like uncredited screenwrite. So he turned uh, half a page into like five pages. And then it was rewritten again by Robert Shaw, who was also a playwright. Um, Carl Gottlieb says it was just down to Robert Shaw, basically. He made it his own as, as you know, because he just inhabited that character. He's like a big method guy, so he's like really ingrained in, in, in him. Um, and then wrote that Indianapolis speech. Um, apparently Spielberg's housekeeper quit the week after the film came out because her son was on the Indianapolis and she didn't know that so many of them had been killed by sharks and they just told her that the ship had been bombed and that's how he died. But she didn't know any of the detail of Because that Indianapolis stuff is true. I yeah. mean, it might be exaggerated, but it doesn't sound like it is actually really. But um, she didn't know, so she quit. <laughs> Which is something that makes me laugh, but also makes me a little bit sad. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. So, while all of this is going on, in February 1974, the book comes out. Because the book's not out yet, it hasn't come out at all while they're doing all this stuff. Uh, the book comes out and it's just a ridiculous, massive hit. Ma- just huge. So, huge part hardback sales, even bigger, ridiculously ubiquitous in, in paperback sales. Like 20 million copies or something ridiculous. Absolutely massive. So they were like, thank fuck for that. <laughs> People are going to want to see this film. Hopefully they don't love the book too much because we have taken liberties. Um, so yeah, so they're casting, they're casting, they're casting. Um, initially, they um, wanted Robert Duvall um, for Brody, uh, but he was Ooh. only interested in playing Quint. Ooh. So he said no. Charlton Heston was after Brody, um, but Spielberg said he's too big of a star. Like, yeah. you can't put Charlton fucking Heston in this role. He's too big. Well, he just ended up riding the shark into the sunset yeah, or something. It's yeah, like it was a... just too much. Um, Quint was offered to both Lee Marvin and Sterling Hayden, um, which is actually pretty cool, but, I mean, I love Robert Shaw. But um, but he both part, he passed um, until Robert Shaw accepted the role. He'd obviously worked on The Sting um, prior to this with the producers, so he'd had a good time with that. Um, Robert Shaw had serious tax problems, so he kept just like disappearing off to Canada because he was trying to keep his days down being in the United States. Um, <laughs> he was also a raging alcoholic, like full blown. They had to, we'll come to the, shoot, the problems of shooting the film very briefly, very shortly, but um, he would drink so much he'd black out on set and they'd have to carry him, they'd have to get, put him on a boat, take him back to shore, let him sleep it off. He would wake up and say, what did we shoot yesterday? And they'd have to do pickups and catch up what they did. So very famously as well, Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss didn't get on. Um, not so much that they didn't get on as Robert Shaw, well, there's one or two ways of looking at this. Robert Shaw either hated Richard Dreyfuss because he was a very young, up and coming, acclaimed star. Yeah. Or he knows he's meant to have a contentious relationship with Hooper as Quint, so is horrible to him the whole time they're on set. So deep that, into the yeah, methods. Exactly. Because apparently he was actually fine when they weren't on set, but as soon as they were on set, they'd be doing things like, he'd like wind him up and dare him to dive off the top of the orca. Or he'd say, look at you, like you're, you're meant to be this young up and coming guy. You're like this big, you're like this big fat, out of shape, uh, pudgy, soft boy. I bet you couldn't even do 20 press ups and this kind of stuff. And like daring him to do all this kind of weird stuff. It's, it's always horrible, basically. But, um, I mean, Richard Davis plays it off now in interviews as, actually, he was nice, and he was a hero of mine, and blah, 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 blah. But for the sound of things, they fucking hated each other. Um, Schneider was just basically like, I'm just here to make a stupid shark film. And I mean, this is another Star Wars, right? They're all like, what, is it, there's going to be a giant shark in it. How much are you paying me? 
you know, because they went out to make a creature feature monster movie and they ended up making something very different for, for a reason we'll come to. Um, John Voigt, Jan Michael Vincent of Airwolf fame. Oh my God. Kevin Klein and Jeff Bridges were all considered for Hooper. Um, but eventually Richard Dreyfus was cast. He was in American Graffiti. He was a friend of Steven Spielberg. And the script was rewritten to suit Richard Dreyfus and to make his, more, his character more like Spielberg because Hooper is considered to be like a Spielberg analogue. You know, the directors, there's always one character that's like... Sure. But there, there is, and that's him in this case. Okay. Um, He's got a beard. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, and then, like I say, lots and lots of local people. So both the Brody sons are locals to the island. All the fishermen are, are the medical examiner. Um, Mrs. Kittner. So Mrs. Kittner wasn't a professional actress. She, right. she worked at a little theatre. She was doing like local theatre um, on the island. Um, and she actually ran the theatre school for the rest of her life. She actually died of COVID last year, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah, Lee Fiera. Um, but she ran the theatre school for the rest of her life, ran the local theatre on the island. And apparently, um, obviously, it's a big, you know, pilgrimage for people, fans of Jaws to go to this place. And the biggest request is they for, pe- for her to slap them in the face. Like she does Brody. <laughs> like she does Brody. So uh, the documentary I watched yesterday just reached loads of, like, home footage from fans of them yeah, that they filmed slapped. being slapped by her because it's like, uh, yeah, it's very funny. Because you um, know the, the, the sandwich story? No, go on. Oh, so she was uh, in a, a, a restaurant and noticed that there was a sandwich. Uh, it was like a, a fish finger sandwich on the menu called the Alex Kitchener sandwich. Oh, no. Uh, no, and she, she mentioned, it was like, well, that's really weird because I played his mother. Mm. Uh, and it turns out that the owner of the restaurant came out to meet her. Yeah. And it was Voorhees who played the boy. Oh, wow. Okay. And he just opened a restaurant. And, and she just happened to be there. And just happened to be there. Oh, and, wow. That's, yeah. no, wow. Uh, what's that? What's the word? Um, Serendipitous? Serendipitous, yes. And then he indeed, was like, yeah. slap me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slap me, mommy, he said. And they were like, oh. Oh, God. And he popped a boner. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Beautiful, um, beautiful moment. <laughs> just, oh. What? It's the, la- it's, the last, it's the last episode. I've got to get my dick jokes in. We literally just did <laughs> Dick Tracy. It wasn't enough. It's never enough. <laughs> so, um, so lastly, you've got Lorraine G- uh, Gary, um, who plays Ellen Brody. She was married uh, and was for a very long time, well, until he passed away in 2019, I believe. Um, she was married to Sid Scheinberg, who was the head of Paramount at the time. Um, okay. So a little bit contentious. I think she's awesome in the film. Yeah. Um, my two, two of my favourite bits are... Not too far from the car in the yard. How's that? And she says, like you're from New York. And um, when she comes over and gives her the whiskey and just says, you want to get drunk and fool around? <laughs> Apparently they're both uh, improvisations. Uh, I think she's fantastic in it. I think the, all those family scenes with the Brody, of the Brody family are amongst my favourite bits the, of the Would film. you say the Brody Bunch? The Brody Bunch. <laughs> I haven't, but I will now. Oh, that's amazing. So, we've got a cast. Bosch. We've got gonna, a story. We've got a story. Now we've got to find a place to film it. So anyway, also funnily enough, Quint um, and Hooper were cast nine days before they started filming. Really up to the wire. Um, so down they to. down to the wire. Down to the wire. You go down to the wire. Depends where the wire is, surely. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're always over the wire. Under the wire. Anyway, whatever. So anyway, so rather than film in Long Island, which is where the book is uh, set. They shot in Martha's Vineyard because for something stupid like 10 miles around the island, 
the um, water only ever gets about 30 feet deep. Yeah. So super good for when you've got a fucking great big mechanical shark on a big cable. Quite helpful. And you need to be at sea. Yes. But because it's so shallow, it does mean it can get a little bit choppy because it's a bit shallow, which, again, proved to be be an issue. So. So. Seamless. It's like we never took a break at all. Shit. Now I've let the cat out of the bag. I've given them a glimpse behind the curtain. I, I think they've seen everything behind the curtain. <laughs> oh, yeah, they've we've exposed ourselves to them before <laughs> many, many times. So the the cast are there. They're writing the script on the fly. The shark's being made, but it's a month late, so they shoot all the land stuff first because all the sea stuff involves a shark. That's where they live typically. Yeah, the sea. Do a little tip. And people say they won't learn anything from this podcast. So they started filming on boats. And they literally start filming on little boats, and it's a fucking disaster. They, it's salt air and seawater and cameras and shitloads of people. Like, the amount of people required to make a film, especially in 1974, and it's all, it's not stuff that you can, oh, it's all right, I just dropped it in the sea, it'll be okay. We okay? Okay. It's not stuff that you can just like, we'll just drop it in the sea, it'll be okay. Um, Bill Butler, who is the cinematographer of this movie, um, actually um, created a submersible box that you could put a camera in. A waterproof box. He invented a waterproof box. I'm not sure he invented the waterproof box. But he, he invented, invented one you put a camera in. He invented one that went around a Panavision camera, indeed. Um, he also invented a, um, a kind of setup that you could put on a boat and just put a camera on, and even if it was like waves and bobbed up and down, he, it would stay steady. You're saying he invented a gyro? He invented a aquatic steady cam. Nice. There you go. That's and bear not in mind his words. That, I mean, I suppose the thing is, we look at this today and we'll be like, what? Why was that hard with our waterproof iPhones yeah, and exactly, our yeah. tiny 4K yeah, capable yeah. cameras? A Panavision camera weighs as much as I so do. So fucking heavy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, that, not, not, and that's not even including your biggest all challenge, of the film stock that has to go yeah, along Your biggest with it. challenge is not getting it into the box and getting it into the water. It's stopping it going straight to the bottom of the fucking Yeah, yeah, sea. exactly. So, so between... Um, boats drifting into the background of the shot, um, everyone being incredibly seasick, people or drunk, or drunk, people falling off stuff. Yeah, Robert Shaw being a raging alcoholic. Um, they reckon that they were working twelve hours a day, but would only actually be able to film for four of it. Yeah. So, but yeah, and obviously, the, like I said before, the shark, the shark issue, and that comes up. But with the shark, it's its own section of this podcast because it's got to be. So, eventually, they finished filming this movie on the sixth of October 1974, 159 days after they started. So there were 104 days over the actual filming schedule. Of 55 days. Of 55 (laughs) days. And they've spent like 9 million quid. Um, The shark just cost 3.5 million. The shark, well, the three sharks, the three sharks, cost the budget. So, yeah. Um, When they, the last thing to be shot was the shark exploding. Um, Spielberg had done a runner. Uh, because he was, well, basically, the crew hated him so much that he was like, they're going to do something to me on the last day of filming. So he let the second AD uh, do it and just didn't show up for set that day and it was like, I'm back in California, fuck you. <laughs> and apparently that's a tradition now. Spielberg never films the last shot of the film himself. He lets second AD do it or the assistant director. It's I mean, like a little nice. little thing. Sure. I mean, to be honest... No, it's not you, a nice or not. It's just a no, little it is. interesting It's, it's a nice, interesting tidbit. But also, mm. if you've set the tradition of being basically half out the door... 
before you finished, why not carry it on? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Well, and if it um, equates to if anybody needs me, I'll be at the bar. Apparently they were just, um, um, I mean, I can't. You know, I, you know, Spielberg nearly didn't make this film, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I asked that as a question. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'll Next. rephrase it yes, as it a statement. You know that Spielberg nearly ended up not making this film because yeah. he was concerned that he'd become like the shark and truck guy. Yes, exactly. Which shows yeah, yeah. a degree of arrogance uh, because you've made like well, I think one film of each. Um, w- w- when we get to the Oscars, <laughs> we can talk about Steven Spielberg and arrogance. Um, but anyway. But equally, oh, yeah, he was pissed. If you're gonna he be, was proper pissed. If you're going to be really arrogant, you should at least be Steven Spielberg as well. Yeah, but he wasn't then. But you know, he wasn't. And, that, and that's, that's important. That's important to remember. He, like, people were calling him Stevie. That's like little Stevie Wonder. They were if calling I, him Stevie. If I ever see him. That doesn't fly anymore, apparently. Next time we meet for lunch, I'm going to call him Stevie. <laughs> Next time I'm with George and Steve, call yeah. him Stevie, yeah. And I already called George Georgie. So before we just get onto the, onto the, onto the, onto the shark... Onto the shark. I don't know why I looked at you so pointedly when I said that, but we are about to come onto it. Um, anyway, long story short, it comes out in 409 screens in the US and 60 in Canada on June the 20th, 1975. And immediately makes back the budget in its opening yeah, day. Pretty much. Opening weekend. Pretty much. By six months later, by January 11th, don't forget that in the 70s, films ran in the cinema for a year. They yeah. weren't out for a few weeks. Bambi was shown in the cinema for like. 30 years or so. I've seen Bambi in the cinema. That's how long it ran in cinemas. Um, it made 132 million in, uh, well, it hit 132 million, um, beating The Godfather as the best, uh, the biggest box office in the world, uh, which had 131 million. Um, so it took six months. And yeah, but we'll come to the release in a little bit. But first, I would like to discuss. Hang on, are we going to come on the shark and then come to the release? Yes. Yes. Sure. Sorry, get on to the shark. <laughs> so initially, they were going to train a great shark, great white. I love this. <laughs> Turns out, can't train a great white. <laughs> it's quite difficult. <laughs> they are famously divas. Yeah. <laughs> the so, demands, apparently the rider for this shark. Yeah. Wanted three blue whales. And <laughs> a bowl of M&Ms with all of the red ones taken out. <laughs> Did they then try and, like, do makeup on a dolphin that they could train? No, they didn't do, <laughs> do makeup on a dolphin. That, oh, my God, that would be so good. It's a dolphin with a hat on. It's great white. So, um... It's got cane. What do you call it? No. It's doing a vaudeville number. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, just say like it's a, a shark. On. That's a dolphin. Yeah. Nah, people in Texas haven't seen a shark. That's, a do- that's definitely not a dolphin. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's what they used to do with Errol Flynn movies, right? They, so when Errol Flynn was in the Robin Hood movies, they filmed them in Mexico because people in America at the time didn't know what England looked like, but they didn't know what Mexico looked like either. So they just go, this is England. And they go, oh, okay. It doesn't look like where I live, Man, so they, I can believe that's they England. They got to Slough and got a nasty <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. also, it's, it is a, another interesting point. One of the original directors who they approached, who started working on it, kept calling the shark a whale, and it pissed them yes. off so much that they kicked him off the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very funny. Uh, so, yeah, so, um, when they realised they couldn't tra- train a great white, they were like, let's make a massive mechanical one. So, um, they got a bloke called Joseph Alves, or Joe Alves in, uh, who coincidentally went on to direct number three, I believe. Um and it was built by Bob Matty, who had made the giant squid for 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yes. Have you seen that when you were a kid? That big uh, yeah, Disney yeah. movie? It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, there's 
is Captain Nemo submarine, and it's being attached by a massive squid octopus, really, I suppose, because it's got the suckers and stuff. It's kind of squiddy octopusy. But regardless, yeah, it's, it's like, massive. It's and like mechanical. Mexican downtown Nottingham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot it's of squid. Shut up. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. So, um, from how many it, arms it got? Seventeen. Fuck <laughs> off. What do you want? <laughs> so, um, in November '73, they started building it. It took them forty. It took forty engineers six months to do it. Um, I've written down in Rolly Harper's motion picture and equipment rental in California. Ooh. Why not? Um, and they made three full-size pneumatic sharks, 25 foot long. Yep. Um, and that were named Bruce after Spielberg's lawyer, Bruce Rammer. Yeah, we, we don't Rammer. need to bring that up. Yeah, anyway, anyway yeah. So, so there were three. There was the, uh, the, the, the top of the shark. Yep. So it's the was filming from above. Well, yep. filmed from above or the shark crests or just mm-hmm. comes out of the water. Mm-hmm. And then there was basically a left profile and a right profile. Yeah, That exactly. were cut in half. The other side, you would have seen all the gubbins. And exactly, yeah. And they were, so they were on sleds and some, by cables. If, if, you know, people are interested in it. And it is worth looking up. There are some amazing uh, behind-the-scenes photos yes, of really these sharks are. from the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they're actually kind of mounted and what have you. It's crazy. Well, it's like all pneumatics and stuff. It's yeah. just really... Um, unfortunately, what they didn't test was um, that they could go underwater. Hang on, so... They did all the testing The brief dry. was, make me a shark, mm. and they, and they didn't did, make it waterproof. They did all the testing in dry, <laughs> didn't put it in water until it got there. Saltwater famously so the reason, not You know the sharks, the shark's got little jowls, it's got little cheeks. Yeah. It's because the jaws is a, is a hinge, right? So it's got to have that hinge where the two pieces of metal join. So that's why the shark's got the little cheeks, the little, the little jowls. Um, I appreciate the listener can't see my mime of doing the gels, but anyway, I yes. mean, we can, so please stop. <laughs> <laughs> to the listener, um, he's pointing to his gels. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so the sharks took 14 people to operate them yep. every time they had to do anything. Um, whilst these people were stood on boats, let's not forget, they didn't practice this. So when they put them in water, they took on a load of water. Well, the first thing that happened was the original skins just absorbed water. So they were just like really, like literally these sharks retained water and looked really bloated. What, is this a T-Rex situation? <laughs> it's a T-Rex It's exactly a T-Rex situation. Exactly. You would have thought you would have learned this <laughs> fucking lesson. Um, so yeah, so um, they get tangled in seaweed. Um, all of the pneumatics would just take on water, or there'd be leaks and all that kind of stuff. So it'd be like the shark would go past in the frame, and it looked like it had it was like farting because a big trail of bubbles would be coming out the back of it and stuff like that. Um, and it, it's got to a point where the uh, the crew were just calling the movie Floors. Yeah, which uh, that does make me laugh. Um, so the, the the day they got there in July with the sharks, they put it in the they put the rig in the water. It immediately capsized, and they had to pay for a load of divers to get in the water and turn it back around again. That's just immediately. And then, like, like I say, there's the uh, famous documentaries: the shark is not working, and the shark is still working, because Richard Dreyfus said that he never worked on a. Um, a film like that big before that took over a whole location and everyone was on radios the whole time and apparently all he could hear was just the shark is not working the shark is working again the shark is not working again um, because yeah it was just a nightmare this meant that they had to invent loads of stuff on the spot right so like this is basically the reason that Jaws is, has, got, has got the tension it has because they're like we can't show this thing because it doesn't work so um, and there's the, some key scenes as well, right? Yeah. The first, so Chrissy, the, the opening scene, Chrissy, yeah. the shark's meant to be involved. She's meant to, she's literally meant to be bitten in half um, and eaten, devoured by the shark, but the shark didn't work. So they tied a load of ropes around her and got a load of geezers off camera to pull her <laughs> in one direction and the other. And then, yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, the barrels, the three barrels, 
they they were meant to be a very fleeting thing where they put two barrels in it. The shark leaps out of the water. I mean, how they ever thought it was going to leap out the water? Leaps out the water and like pulls, breaks the ropes or whatever. Um, so the, sh- the they invented the, they came up with the barrels thing just to see just to signify where the shark was basically. <laughs> shark um, here. I love the, the all those barrels bits. I mean, the bit in the plot when that music really picks up, it becomes like a real adventure film. Yeah. You know, he stood on the front of the boat on the bow. So it was in front of the boat, well, we'll, firing that, firing we'll the... We'll talk a little bit about so the, the musical influence. Yeah, and like the, all of that... But, yes. Y- you know, those bits where he's putting the, barrels, putting the barrels into him is so good. So, so good. Um, it really, like, it changes the tone of the movie all of a sudden. It becomes so much more like... So much more of like a light-hearted adventure for ten minutes. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, so... Because of that, the, like I say, that, that's what creates attention, is that you physically can't see the shark, shark and um, the music definitely adds into that. Um, they did do a load of footage of sharks. The couple called Ron and Valerie Taylor... Yeah, they're credited as doing, like, real-life yes. shark photography, so they're from, right? they're from Australia, and they are... That's what they do. They, they're shark swimmers, and they film... Why film would I go to Brisbane when I've got a great wife right here? <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. So they sent a, a little person called Carl Rizzo, because they were like, well, the sharks here are 16 feet. And they're like, okay, but we need a shark that's 25 feet. And they're like, that's not a thing. So like, okay, so what we'll do is we'll build a miniature cage. We'll send you a little person. And oh, we'll put wow. him in miniature everything else. So and then we'll put him in the cage in the water with a shark. You go in the water. Cage goes in the water. water. Shark's yeah. in the water. Um, Rizzo's in the water. Rizzo's in the water. <laughs> so the first thing they realized is that just because he's little doesn't mean he uses less oxygen. So the little tanks he had only lasted eight minutes, so that was good. And he's locked in a cage under the water with 16 feet, right? Oh, my God. So the first time he gets in... So they in, nearly drowned. Nearly killed this guy. So the first time he gets in the water... Oh. The first time he gets in the water, a, a shark swims straight over the top of the cage and gets stuck in the cables. So you see, you know there's that bit in the film where the shark yeah, yeah. gets stuck on the top? That's footage. He is actually in that cage. And there's an actual the shark, shark attacks, stuck on top of it. The shark attacks, the, gets stuck in the cable, goes crazy, attacks the cage, breaks the cage. Rizzo gets out, gets managed to get into the boat. The shark is tangled in cables, ends up half, the back half of the shark is on the boat, and the, and the, the tail of this shark um, slashes his face. So he's like, yeah, guess oh what? God. I'm never getting in the water ever again. I'm not doing this anymore. So that was all the footage they got. So originally, Hooper's meant to die, right? Yes. He was meant to die in the film. He dies in the book. He's he meant to die in the, the film. But because of the way, because of the footage they had of Rizzo getting out and escaping, Spielberg was like, there's no way we can't use this footage. So that's why Hooper survives and then just like bobs up to the surface at the end. Because Spielberg's like, this is the best shark footage we've got. And we've got none. So we've got to use it. But this poor sod, and it took me ages, because they talk about Carl in all the documentaries. It took me bloody ages to find out this guy's name. And, like, he, he nearly got eaten by a great white shark. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah. So, so, like I say, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, between messed up mechanical sharks and nearly killing a stuntman in Australia, they got just about what they needed. Apparently, the footage of the shark that you see in the film, the mechanical shark, is literally every frame that was usable yeah. <laughs> literally every frame um, so yeah I mean I mean, that's part of the charm of this film right and it's part of the legend of this film and I think that goes hand in hand the film's amazing I love the movie but it's also that's why film wankers love it so much because it's like it's got such a legend behind it like Steven Spielberg had to make his bones and it was all about it ended up being much more had to be much more artistic with his use of music and that you know and blah 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 blah, blah and I mean there is a 
Right, I know we're going to come on to this. There is a lot about this film based on the number of points at which it almost wasn't Spielberg, it almost wasn't made. The fact that his original vision sounds like absolute dog crap Yeah, does suggest to me that perhaps young Spielberg... Not that good. No, indeed. And I mean that, and we'll come to that in the awards a little bit later. I would also say he's a cocky motherfucker. He really was. I would was. also say, yeah, no, absolutely that. Mm. But I would also say that the DP on this film does yeah, not yeah, get yeah. anywhere near enough credit. No, Bill Butler needs to get a huge because, amount of credit. You know, what year. makes this movie is it's not just the shark or you know the brutiness of everything. Mm. It's the way it's set, the way it's shot, the mm. push-in, the framing, the scene no. where he's walking through the, uh, the the town hall on the way to the meeting. Yeah. And it's basically a backwards handheld shot. Yeah, yeah. Super close quarters. So they do many. that a lot, right? There's and a like, lot of close quarters the scene where Michael's in, in scene, The scene where Michael's in the water and yeah. the, the shot like, glides past him and stuff. So good. And that's that's not Spielberg, baby. But that's that's the thing as well. And it's, this, is, it is a slight... I can't believe I'm dissing no, Steven this, Spielberg. No, this, this is a slight aside. <laughs> I think he'll be okay. That's why, I, that's why there's been such an uproar and that's why I, I, I'm not happy about it either because I'm a film wanker that they're not like televising the cinematography award at the Oscars anymore it's like one of the pure cinematic so you know the guys arts. who do all the fucking work yeah. so editing and cinematography not going to be televised at the Oscars anymore so because the, edit- the editing for this one and Vera yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. the editing is amazing. But it, so they're, they're not going to televise that anymore, apparently. But that's the thing. Is like Spielberg had a vision, right? We, well, okay, we can't do the, the, the we can't do the shark. Let's do it like this. Can you do this? And Bill Butler was like, Yeah, I'll invent a thing. I'll invent a thing. You know, <laughs> um, I, I'll invent a thing so we can. You know, and that's why it's like Wally Pfizer and stuff like that with Christopher Nolan, Interstellar and Batman and stuff doesn't exist without you know. It just doesn't. It doesn't exist without that kind of stuff. Anyway. Any. Anyway. 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 So last little bit of production, um, and it's not really production. It's just more of a little, a little tidbit of information that I found out from a documentary I watched yesterday. It was quite cool. September twenty first, two thousand and four, an actual great white came to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> well, presumably it heard that it was there for know, Jaws Fest. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go to Jaws Fest. It sounds amazing. It, oh. It's so hokey and rubbish. It'll be awful. It'll be amazing. I bet Martha's Vineyard is beautiful. Though. Good wine, too. Anyway, so um, a natural great white, a great white came, um, and they got someone from the local oceanographic institute or whatever, and all the local fishermen banded together and basically just like drove it back out to sea. They didn't catch it or kill it or do anything else. Well, no, um, they've seen what happens to people <laughs> who try and catch and kill them. <laughs> uh, but there's, um, there's really good footage where... Um, they use fire hoses attached on boats and they just spray the water next to the shark to like guide it out so they're on either side so it's just like oh god what's happening and just keeps going till it goes out uh, but yeah I just I heard it yesterday I thought that was quite uh, I think that's nice thing. yeah delightful so before we get on to sequels awards legacy blah 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 we've got two bits we need to talk about do you want a quick chat about the book I think we kind of have to yeah um, because it's based on a book <laughs> The book is was a resounding success. Mm, huge. And also it is It was huge. In some ways incredibly similar mm. and in some ways massively different, right? Sure. Um, weirdly, the book spends a lot of time uh, on social commentary. Yes. So <laughs> he's like a big environmentalist and stuff as well, right? So uh, like, yeah, but that that doesn't come up so much. Oh, it's the okay. 70s. Yeah. 
It's I'm, also moderately chauvinistic. Um, so it's better in mind. It's written in 1973, it was always yeah. going to be. Ellen but Brody's no, like a hot mess, right? She's like a real horrible... But bear in mind that in the book, he hasn't come from New York. He's a local boy. Yes, um, they're, from, they're uh, islanders, Brody they? is a summer girl. So yes. one of the wealthy who come to visit to inject And capital. she misses being uh, rich, And right? she wants to get back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like this whole whole thing about, you know, summer versus permanent. Yes. Which is somebody who lives in a place that is a bit of that and used to be and a that, lot of and that, that always, kind that, of resonates. That stuff about what what it means to be an islander. Well, if you weren't born here, you'll never be an islander. Yeah. That kind of thing. And that does, and you're right, that always resonates for me. Well, it has for the last 17 years, not so much before. <laughs> it's also, um, it's it's it, a very adult book. There's a right. lot more sex. I mean, the first scene where you meet Brody, he yeah. wakes up... Covered a, in spunk. ...with a boner. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not that much further away than I... I, I read the George because, book 20 no, because, years ago. Because so his, he and his wife are, you know, having trouble and what right. have you because she's deep lost in the past. Yeah. And uh, But, yeah. Um, she bones Hooper. She does bone Hooper, and Hooper <laughs> dies yes. in some kind of potential, like, quid pro quo. Yeah. Yeah, the universe uh, can't allow this to stand. Apparently, I, I, and like I said, I haven't read it for... I know, I've read it... I've got it out of the school library when I was, like, 11 or 12, and I remember the, the beginning bit is a male swimmer who gets his leg bitten off below the knee, and he reaches down to say, well, why, why is my leg hurt? And he no, just feels bone. No, that's the second victim. Is that the second victim? I, the, I, like the, I haven't read it for like 25 years. The first victim is, it's slightly different. They're a rich couple right. who are living at one of these houses, but mm. it is still Chrissy. Right, okay. And yeah, yeah. her fella who falls asleep on the beach because he's mm. too fucking drunk. Mm. Um, but no, the second victim, yeah, exactly yeah. that. Reaches he, down and just feels uh, bone. I and remember being like 12. And arrived. And terrified. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does have a couple of bits that are almost shot for shot. The whistle and the discovery of Chrissy's remains on the beach. Right. That's straight out of the book. The yeah, only thing Deputy they took Hendrix. out is that everybody vomits yeah. in the book. Um, I think he suggested that Deputy Hendrix is meant, because he's got like spit coming out of his mouth when he's trying to whistle and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that he couldn't blow the whistle. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but also, you do get some of Brody's character comes through, even in, in that mm. uh, moment where he was like, well, that's me done, mm. and he joined them in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, I mean, the big differences are, as, as we said, the uh, the people who die who survive. So mm-hmm. Hooper dies, uh, survives in the film. Yep. Quint's death is different. So he drowns because he gets his foot stuck in a rope that's stuck on a harpoon that's in the Which, fish. Again, to say uh, uh, a Havian, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. He dies yeah, yeah, tied yeah, to the fish who drags yeah, yeah. him under. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's obviously a whole sub subplot about an affair between Hooper and yeah. Ellen. Apparently, Quint uses a baby dolphin at, at, yes. as bait at one point. <laughs> yeah, Quint's like way more ruthless. Um, the thing that interests me the most is that I because I, I, I read I've read stuff on the internet. I haven't, read, I haven't read the book for this because I was busy reading making of the film books. But the reason that it's all covered up by Harry Meadows from the newspaper and by the mayor is because the mayor's got ties to the mafia. Oh, yeah, that was... Who the... have spent loads of money to build up the seafront at Amity Island. Well, this is the big thing. <laughs> That's is there's so this whole... funny. Imagine if Jaws the movie had, like, a whole mafia subplot. Well, it doesn't really so have it in the book. It's just it's just kind of there. It's oh, like, right. why is he so desperate to get the beaches? So it's not like Goombas coming down and no, breaking no, legs no. and stuff. Uh, oh, no, no, there is a guy who shows up and kills Brody's cat. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, but no, there's this whole bit about the mayor basically being in the pockets of the guys from yeah. Joyzy. That's very um, funny. Good family men from Jersey. Because the book's Long Island as well, right? Which is yeah, yeah. New Jersey, yeah. 
Um, <coughs> and uh, yeah, it's 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 a much darker, much. You know, you said more cynical, I, I, and that is what I do remember reading it. The thing I remember about reading it, even as a kid, was that it didn't seem to like any of its characters very much. None of them were terribly. No, you're kind of exploring all of them, but at the same time, it's it's almost it's it gets lip service in the film. Sure. So you know, Hooper when he's like on the boat, and it's like, how much did this cost? Oh, I'm really rich. Me or the family? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, but that's as far as it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just I would recommend if you like the film and you like reading what is basically a fairly good pulp fiction novel, mm-hmm. by all means, go for it. Yeah. Um, Peter Benchy went on to write a bunch of other things about uh, giant sea monsters. Did he write the Meg? He didn't, <laughs> he write, didn't the write the Meg. No, he did write one. I can't remember the name of it, but it said Giant Squid. Yeah. Oh, really? And it's you know Peter Benchy's in the movie. Yeah, he's, he's a TV reporter. He's a reporter. The, he gets a bit the, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the TV reporter again is a, it, he's a complete ass. There's people showing up. It's basically. It's a much more well-rounded universe. You're right. Okay. Well, it, it's it, and we um, said this by actually by text message the other day. You, well, you said you made the point, of which is absolutely true. You can afford to do that in a yeah, book. In a book, it's you like can develop pages. every single character and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, exactly. You know, if they had to do this in a film, there'd be another million over budget. Yeah, mini series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, no, it is. It's it's a decent read. It's mm. not a great read um, no. by any stretch. Okay. It's not the great American novel. No, indeed. No, no, indeed. But, yeah, well, it's like a want... schlocky, tra- a bit trashy kind of. Yeah. yeah, but if you want Sex kind of monsters. grown-up Jaws, yeah, then by all means read this, and then just go and watch the film again. And then be like, oh, farewell and adieu. Anyway, we'll say that for you. Um, so yeah, so Are we I... going to do that in, in in the round at the end. Oh, like a sea shanty. This could be it. We could finally do Shanty <laughs> we're both Top. Looking at our producer, we break no, into Shanty Top. I assume we're both looking at our. Yeah, that's the real truth of the matter. This podcast is ending, but Shanty Talk, our Sea Shanty podcast, is starting next month. <laughs> we're both looking at our producer, and I'm already thinking. We're drunk. And we I'm sing pretty things. sure I've heard him sing before, and I don't think we want to do a round of Sea Shanty. I, I already know at least one person we could punt a Sea oh, Shanty and, podcast you know, to. Yeah, so, yeah. indeed. Yeah. So but yeah, so so worth a read. Um, I have got it on Kindle, but as I say, I was a bit busy. I really recommend talking about books. Reading Carl Carl Gottlieb wrote a book called The Jaws Log. Yeah. Um, he went, was part of the merchandising for this film, which we again we will come on to very briefly because very shortly because I'm about to talk about the release, um, uh, well the legacy and the, the release, the, the, release uh, the full release. Um, as, um, Spielberg was going to write a third of a book. Gottlieb was going to write a third of a book, and um, Bill Butler was going to write a third of a book, and it was going to be about the making of the film. Um, but Gottlieb had already agreed that he was going to ghostwrite Spielberg's bit anyway. And then Bill Butler was like, I'm not writing a fucking book about making a film. So Carl Gottlieb just wrote a making of book. It came out the, the year after the film came out, and he has updated it every, like, ten years since. So by this point, it is exhaustive. If you really... If, so not only if you, do, if you like this film, it's worth a read. If you are interested in the filmmaking process from buying the book rights to the release of the movie, it is like the book. It is the book. Um, Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh says he carries a copy around with him. So like so many films... Is that in case he shot on the battlefield <laughs> so he can stop a bullet? But yeah, but it, it, what I mean is uh, hyperbole aside by these film directors, it's like the, this book is like the book about the filmmaking process that got so many directors into it. Um, do you know who pops up a lot in the documentaries I've been watching? Kevin Smith. 
it's hard to he's like these are the reason I got into filmmaking and I'm like okay he does maybe you should have read more than one book about it Kevin oh <laughs> I mean he does I like those films as well he does reference Jaws heavily in Mallrats he, do, he does he does he does yeah they go they literally go on the Jaws ride in yeah. Mallrats yeah 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 but anyway um, anyway yeah so should we just quickly talk about the release the release can we Please call it something else. <laughs> yeah. um, well, when I mean, it came out, no. <laughs> let's talk about the release. Well, immediately afterwards, I had a cigarette, and <laughs> and then I was ready again in about so twenty minutes. <laughs> anyway, so as I say, it was released in four hundred and sixty theaters, which was a huge amount at the time. Um, at that time, it would come out. Films would come out, especially big films, would come out in uh, big cities. And then they would essentially, because they wouldn't make as many prints, it's just that simple. It's really expensive to make loads of prints of films. It's not like today, where they spend as much money in the distribution of the film. Yeah, well, yeah, now they do that, yeah. So, 460 uh, cinemas, and it's what they now call saturation booking. Now, saturation booking is only when it's in more than a thousand cinemas on the release, but at the time, this was it. It basically invented... um, television advertising for films. Um, there were trailers that were shown before films, but there were not TV adverts for films before before Jaws. Um, it, it invented the summer blockbuster. Big films, big tentpole, uh, marquee stand films came out in winter yeah. until Jaws. Jaws invented the summer blockbuster as we know it. So everything, all that Mar- all that Marvel I'm stuff. I'm still going to stand by a know? statement I may have made to you mm. privately and possibly right. on this podcast. I don't mm. understand the summer blockbuster. Why? Why would you want to go and sit in a dark room I in the middle of summer? I cannot tell you how much I agree with that. The amount of beautiful summer afternoons I've wasted watching a fucking Henry Cavill Superman film, I cannot tell you. By all means, spring or autumn. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, just early spring, a- late autumn. I just want to be able to go, oh, it's pissing it down, should we go to the cinema? Yeah. Not, do you want to go to the beach or to watch Joss Whedon's I mean, Rehash Justice League? <laughs> we, we get winters over here that would have me in that place for a double oh, feature. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I often do a double feature, actually. It's good. Yeah. I highly recommend. Highly do, recommend. You, do you just walk across to another screen when you're done? I've got an unlimited cinema pass. So oh, I bet just... you don't book the ticket, do you? Yeah, I do whatever I want. Do whatever I want. Is it I could do whatever I like. Place. I'm the chief of police. <laughs> Is it not possibly an American thing where it's too hot in the summer and they want to go to an air-con no. theatre? shut up. It's stupid. <laughs> I mean, actually, that's... I did that in Leicester Square once. It was 42 degrees in London, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to see Spider-Man. I've seen it already, but I just need to be inside. So, uh, so yeah, so anyway, so... Um, so you want to uh, touch on the music? Touch on? Before we release. Before we release. <laughs> Sorry, before we... I always like some music before, before my we release. Move on, before we move on to our release, I mean the release. <laughs> I think we kind of have to... Um, yeah. So, kind of, yeah. Spielberg had worked with Williams on Sugar Cube Express, or yes. whatever it's called. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. I've seen it Which once. I've never about seen. 15 years ago, yeah. Um, it's like, was it 1947? Whatever that one is. I've seen that about once as well. And about once. Presumably, because, uh, I mean, a lot of this, I'm, I'm giving Spielberg a lot of shtick, and like I say, I'm sure he's fine. Um, it smacks that Spielberg was just a bit lazy. He was like, oh, I'm making another movie. I need a guy to do music. How about the last guy who did music for the last movie I made? Yeah, you'll do. John, come on in. He was really good. He was really good, and we know how good he was, right? We have an entire episode on how good he is. We do, in fact. Um, But there are a couple of really interesting bits. 
firstly, and this is hilarious, that uh, he, he, he you know, obviously read the screenplay, understood yeah, yeah. The, the, the whole thing, realised that actually what he needed was something that would allow for building tension. <clears throat> And this is where you get, um, and I think it's actually, of all things, the film The Holiday has a scene where Jack Black walks Cameron Diaz, no, the other one, uh, through a whole bunch of film scores. Right. And he does Jaws, and it's, da-dum. It's like, that's it, two yeah, notes, yeah. and you've got a villain. Yeah. And he's, he's bang yeah, on the yeah. money, right? Um, and also in, in, in Ghostbusters, they hate that. <laughs> Sorry. But apparently, John Williams being maybe a little bit less understanding of other people's musical mm. Uh, mm. sensibilities and, yeah, and their indeed. ability to see through to his that's, end vision. That's the, the, interviews, the interviews that I've seen with him in the last week. The, first of all, the way that John Williams talks about scoring movies is absolutely beautiful. Yes. And secondly, John Williams doesn't understand how everyone in the whole world isn't John Williams. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, do you mean you don't have an intrinsic understanding of this? Because <laughs> apparently he walked into um, Spielberg's house yeah. and said, I've got it, I've got the theme for the shark, yeah. and played the two notes on the piano. Bling, bling, bling. And Spielberg good. laughed him out of the room. Yeah. What are you talking about, bling, bling? Um, he had to come back with the full orchestral scoring, you know, the string section. Uh, the fact that most of the horn work is actually played on a tuba. Oh, is it? Not a French horn. Right. And he's forcing the tuba player to play at the very top of the register because it makes it sound a bit more raw. Maybe he hated that tuba player. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck a tuba player. They're always the black sheep. It's, it, look, sousaphone will get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Um... And yeah, uh, it's pre some of his more thematic. He doesn't yes. score themes for characters. Obviously, the shark has one. Um, what he did do was he realised very early on that this was a nautical adventure. Yeah. And the piece that you alluded to earlier, where the music picks up when they're out on the barrels, um, is that he's fair enough. Yeah, he lifts yeah. Spanish ladies, yeah, yeah. but also he writes basically like. It's jigs and reels. Yeah, yeah. It's classical nautical yeah, music yeah, yeah, that yeah. was inspired. But it's also by so some of the great pirate movies yeah. and and what have you that yeah. that came before. Yeah, like swashbuckling films. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's like fugues and mm -hmm. like da, da, da. Um, yeah, it's really really impressive. It's really also, good. Really, really good. Uh, apparently he hadn't got the memo that you don't use harpsichords because uh, yeah, <laughs> it just randomly pops up. And it's there are a couple of bits when you really focus on the music that you're like, this is for. A, a much grander film than this. <laughs> there are some bits you're like, this is, this is a movie about a big fish that's eating people. <laughs> What's good, you know? So good. I mean, the argument could be made that there were many, many things that make Jaws Jaws. Mm. Spielberg is as intrinsic as any other aspect. No, but you say you don't. Uh, but Williams, that's the thing, right? Who's not done that in the sea? Who's not done that to wind somebody up in the sea? It's in everything. It's in fucking airplane. So it's in good. everything. It's in everything. Um, anyway. The, there is a, you know the scene where all the people arrive uh, on the ferry and whatnot? At one point there's a marching band. Yes. And John Williams wanted to score it, but was afraid to say to the London Philharmonic Orchestra, London Symphony Orchestra, sorry, um, can you play a bit more amateurish? Because I want it to sound a bit rough and ready for this bit because it's meant to be a marching band. <laughs> so Steven Spielberg, who can play the clarinet, um, joined the orchestra and played like a Sousa march 
but because he's not very good at the clarinet, so it's a, the rough and ready bit. Or the duff note to Spielberg. Is Spielberg playing the clarinet? Well, if that ain't a <laughs> metaphor for something. It's so good, isn't it? I, really, I only found out today, in fact. I really love that. I think it's so funny. Just, yeah, just because John Williams was like, I can't ask the London Secret New Orchestra, do you just be a bit shit for about 10 minutes in this bit? No, like, really? marching band shit. No, local, <laughs> small town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The London Secret no, New Orchestra. Oh, shit, we've lost the first trumpet. Oh, Christ. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Hmm. All right, well, let's touch on... Let's touch it. Let's touch it. Let's start, let's start with a quick, quick conversation about the awards, because that always makes me laugh. It's like in all the top tens, everybody loves it. It's number one business, I love it. And I do. What didn't do. it win? Uh, what it didn't win was Best Director. Yes! Or Best Film. To so, be honest, he went 100% over time and 250% over yeah, budget. Yeah, exactly. You don't get Best Director, man. So it won, it won Best Film Editing, <laughs> it won Best Dramatic Score, of course, yes. and he won the Grammy as well, and he won Best Sound. And that was his first Academy Award. Yes. No, I don't think it was actually. I think it was his second. I think you. I can't remember the name of the film now. No, not for Sugarland. For something before that, or was that a nomination? TBD. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Do oh, your excuse own me. Research. Once I scroll back and listen to our previous. <laughs> yeah. Do your own research, really? <laughs> Just asking questions. <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> The Academy Awards are a con. Oh, wait. No, that's actually... So there is an amazing video where they're announcing the nominations and it's Spielberg who is invited the press to film his reaction to when he gets nominated for the awards and then he doesn't. He says with a straight face he's going to get nominated for 11. He reckons he's going to be a clean sweep and uh, he gets nominated for three. There was actually quite a big... Um, not there was a bit of uproar is a strong word but because um, it was nominated for best film but not best director which is like absolutely unheard of it's unheard of that the director doesn't get nominated I think it's because Steven Spielberg was an unknown up and comer cocky arrogant motherfucker and the people at the academy were like fuck that guy I'm not nominating him <laughs> to put it really bluntly they were like who are you you made a fish film it, because he was, it's like you say, he wasn't Steven Spielberg then. He was Stevie, little, little Steven Spielberg. Um, but but yeah. then, to be honest, how much of that gave him the impetus, the drive? Indeed. The drive. The drive. It was like, you know what? No, and I, I don't just do fish and trucks. I'll do fucking aliens. <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah, and dinosaurs. And then dinosaurs. Look, big robotic things. Uh, but no, the, the, the thing I would say is that I do think, and I really do think this, is that Jaws made Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg. Well, yes. Like, the, 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 the situation that he found himself in, if that, if that shark had worked, it, and it was just a big creature feature, he, well, imagine. Well, it'd be Jaws 3. Yeah, but it, it would be, exactly, it would be Jaws 3. That's exactly right. That's no, exactly this right. was the crucible in like, which he legit made his bones. He was forged, yeah, and, and right? He, and he says the same. He says, he says the same. He wouldn't be who he is without this movie which would have been really good to end the podcast on now that I say it out loud um, alright well we're done okay. but we've got loads of other bits oh, here so, no, anyway. <laughs> so um, sequels well I was going to say just Ooh. to fill in the gap so John Williams was actually nominated for Academy Award for a bunch of things before Jaws okay yeah, but he didn't um, win any he won for Fiddler on the Roof oh shit mm. um, well of course but there we go. Okay. Wow. Literally wearing a T-shirt with a guy's name on it. I should probably know that. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. yeah. He's so synonymous with Steven Spielberg that you just assume that he... So, let's anyway. quickly touch on the sequels. There's Jaws 2, which was directed by Gene Schrack. 
Can't say S Z W A R C. They wanted Spielberg and Dreyfus back, right? They did. But they were busy. And they were like, nah. No, they were busy. Oh, were they? Was you just busy as opposed to nah? They were making Close Encounters. Close Encounters, yeah. Oh, God, I love Close Encounters. It, we nearly got Jaws 2 with Spielberg yeah. and Dreyfus. So that's the one where they kill him. Brody kills him by getting him to buy the big power cable. Sure. Yeah. I've, I've got my notes and it's literally just very, very... Jaws 3D, which is directed by Joe Alves, who directed... That is yeah. fucking awful. Uh, which is set at SeaWorld. And, like, actually at SeaWorld. Yeah. Um, and then... Ooh, the one Daddy. I haven't seen. Jaws 4, Jaws the Revenge. Um, Michael Caine, Lorraine Gray is in it. So Ellen Brody is back. She's on holiday in a tropical oh, place. she's not just in it. And the like. mate of the shark comes to find her. Um, it is very famously bad. Very, very famously bad. Michael Caine famously says, there's no such thing as a bad film because they will pay. Um, she stabs it with the front of a boat. You know the bit, the, what's the bit that pokes out the front of a boat? The pokey bit. It's a bow bow. bit, I think. The what? The bow. It's the bow spit. Oh, oh, the thing that... Yeah, like literally the bit, the pointy bit that sticks out the front. Yeah, anyway, that... Me, I've only ever seen it written down. It, Legitimately. The I'm assuming it's a barrel spit. It's the yeah. boost yeah. <laughs> Anyway, she stabs a shark with it. It tested badly. Shark kebab. She charged shark kebab. It tested badly, so when they released it for home media, they filmed a new ending where when she stabs a shark, it just explodes. For no reason. Oh, and the other thing about that film is that she's got a psychic link with a shark and she can see when the shark is about to attack a member yes. of her family. And also, anyway, um, <laughs> they lean heavily on reuse of footage yeah, from actual good Jaws film. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Notice I said film. She's, she, yeah, she, yeah, indeed. So she's psychic and the, the plane explodes. The second one's not bad. I, I vaguely remember the second one. I remember the third and fourth one because... Um, they are favourites of, of uh, my sister-in-law, Funny Love. She loves Jaws movies that I discovered last year out of nowhere. Uh, and I watched three and four last year. I recommend watching them if you can have a few drinks and don't mind talking over the top and enjoy bad movies. Background Jaws, if you will. Background Jaws, but they, they are fun, especially for... Michael Caine is like a tourist pilot wearing a Hawaiian shirt being like, hello, I'm good. It's I, fucking I like brilliant. The, the fact he was famously when someone said, like, it's not very good. And he's like, well, the film might not be very good, but the house it bought is very yeah, nice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, um, so outside of the sequels, obviously, ridiculous legacy, Jaws. I mean, straight off the bat is Alien, which was literally pitched as Jaws in space. Literally pitched as Jaws in which space. Which is weird, because originally Alien was meant to be set on an airliner. Was it? Yeah. Is that Dan O'Bannon's first script or whatever? Yeah. Wow, interesting. I didn't know that. Thank God we haven't done an Alien podcast. Oh, no, we did it Aliens. It was a while ago. We did Aliens. No, we did Alien. We did and Alien. it was a while ago. Yes, we did Alien, and I'd watched Aliens the night before. Oh. Yeah. Listen, go one. back and listen to our first ever podcast. Yeah, sure, you should not get any new ones, so <laughs> start about halfway through. Go back two years, then. I mean, basically, anywhere <laughs> K onwards. Yes, K onwards. I was going to say K onwards. So yeah, so then, I mean, uh, once this came out, then you've got Orca, Grizzly, Mako, Barracuda, Alligator, and the Piranha movies, of course. Piranha famously directed by Joe Dante, who made um, Gremlins, which is Spielberg's fave. But there are a Piranha's lot of movies. Good Piranha's good, yeah, I enjoy it. I really like Piranha. And then the Piranha 3D films? Yes. Well, Piranha's Joe Dante. Piranha 3 was James Cameron. No, so I mean, he, the recent... 3D, yes, the Piranha 3Ds yeah, yeah. with the Alexander Arjar ones. Three but Piranha 3... Piranha so 3, James Cameron made a Piranha movie. Piranha 3 is made by James Cameron. and they, That they, James they, Cameron. That James Cameron. And they took... It's his first film. And they took it off him, and he broke into the studio and edited the film. 
So every night he would sneak into the studio, like literally climb through a window and edit the movie. Man. Because James Cameron is a psychopath. <laughs> Hollywood not coming off well no, right not now. Not the best. So we also got, have... Hang on, whoa, 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 oh, sorry. Whoa, whoa. Before you get on to that, you've also got like a whole bunch of additional bits and bobs. Yes. You've got the Megs. The Megs, the Megs of it all. Yeah. Do you know the Megs? Um, the guy that wrote it, uh, the first Meg, um, I forget his name, but the guy who wrote it um, went through a really acrimonious divorce. So in that first book, there is a character, a female character that's just named his ex-wife's name, who just gets like the most grisly fucked up death. And apparently in every film, in every book, there's just another character that is clearly the same woman who just gets horrendously ripped apart by these megalodons. Um, I don't mind the first Meg. I'd rather watch yours for the one with Jason Statham. Oh no, no, so the Jason Statham Meg, which is—is is there a the, movie before that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah that's it? a remake. It's a Chinese studio remake. Really? Yeah. Okay. The original is not good. No. Uh, no, the Statham no, one's Jason Statham one's decent. I mean, and they're doing a sequel as also, well. Also, Justice are. for Pippin. He gets justice <laughs> in that film. <laughs> he does. But the uh, spoilers, spoilers ahead for the Meg, uh, just as a warning. But um, when it's like, oh my god, there's a Meg, and then halfway through they're like, oh my god, there's a bigger Meg. It's just a bigger shark comes out and eats the big shark. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. A lot of that film is frankly boring, but there are bits in it where are true. It's pretty. It's got good sharkishness. Sharknados? You're a fan? I am a huge fan of the Sharknados. I like the first but one. For very different reasons. Yes, yeah, like five I like the first one. Yeah, I think so. I like the first one because, well, let's be honest. They thought they were making a serious film. <laughs> they did. That's why they lent very hard into the. They, oh no! It was yeah, all the joke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Oh no! It was always. It really? was always a joke. Yeah. Um, I uh, talking of asylum films. Two-headed shark attack. Nice. It's a gigantic. It's like a megalodon-style shark, but it's got two heads. And then we're into. But the weird thing Lake is that Placid. when you talk about like creature feature, even Spielberg has said that when he was making Jaws. Um, it was stuff like Godzilla and what have you were mm. his influences, right? Yeah, yeah. I and suppose. he was this idea that you have this huge unstoppable force mm. um, that apparently you can't make work because you can't just put a guy in a suit. It's unstoppable. It's 1974, it, and of course you can't. It's unstoppable, but, anyway. <laughs> but it's not really doing. This is why Godzilla fine. is set on land. Yeah, that's why it's a dude in a suit. You couldn't get like a dude in a shark suit. Ooh, maybe yeah. they should have. <laughs> Sounds sexy. <laughs> so what's next? So, Willie, I just want to... Um, we obviously love this film. Oh, I love everything apart from one very specific point in this film. Go on. Very specific. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's one shot. Right. There is a shot where they are on the deck of the orca. Yeah. And there is a completely useless, shitty Compton shooting star behind them. That's because he loves... Shooting stars are in every single Steven Spielberg movie. Don't he care. He loves... Get rid I, of no, it. I agree. I agree. It's bullshit. There's a bit, there's a bit, there's a bit in um, Temple of Doom. Which is the same thing. There's just an insert shot of him stood against the night sky and, and then shooting he, stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, don't be me wrong. You're Spielberg. Do what you do. What the fuck you want. Just you're um, literally also, Spielberg. That for me, I'm not going to say ruined it, but it definitely breaks me out of what is, yeah, no. by and large, up to that point, pretty freaking believable. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. all looks yeah, yeah. super real, and then this shitty glass shot. Comp work, motherfucking bullshit. Is it the same shooting star that he reuses in every single film? I have no idea. I would love to know if that is the case, but no, I don't know. But it is, um, I agree. It's like he's literally stuck his finger up his own ass and smeared shit across the screen. So when you said there's one bit you don't really like, that was an understatement. Go angry. Everything else in this film is. 
More by luck than judgment. Fair. Fair, but yeah. Everything yeah. else in this film is nearly freaking perfect. Yeah. Obviously, the only perfect film is Terminator 2. Everyone knows that. No uh, shooting stars in Terminator <laughs> no 2. Shooting, apart from Arnold Schwarzenegger, the greatest star of all. You're pronouncing hackers incorrectly. <laughs> right, anyway. anyway. So, no. Um, so, other than the that time he smears his own shit because he had his finger up his ass on the screen. Other than that, we love the like film. <laughs> very, really convey, very emotive. Yeah. Very emotive. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> um, so, um, Knuckle deep, Mike. <laughs> Which knuck? All the way. All the knuck. To the hilt. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. Anyway, we like this film, Pop and uh, But some people don't. Which oh. means we've got some Amazon one-star reviews. Are you pausing for the jungle? We don't have any more. <laughs> we don't have any more? Oh, we, we still have it. We just don't use it. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine then. <laughs> we gave up on actual production. I don't listen to our podcast. Ago. I already have to do it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so here we go. Here we go. 21,205 reviews on Amazon.com. 21,205 21, reviews on Amazon.com. Uh, yeah. 18,420 are five star. 268 are one star. Ooh. They are almost... Almost entirely. Oh, it's Blu-ray's bad. The special features aren't good. I didn't buy this. Um, there's a few. Um, this is a whisk that I ordered. And yeah, I'm reviewing exactly. the there's wrong a project, few yeah. um, real edge lords. Like everyone loves this, but I think it's boring. Okay, thanks. There's not really review, but anyway. So, D-Man. One star, January 2016. He says, not impressed. Storyline isn't gripping or interesting. Disagree. But then he also criticizes the children's movie Anastasia because the way that Rasputin is depicted isn't historically accurate. So maybe that guy can go fuck himself. I don't know. I mean, I mean that, that, that guy might be working on a different level. <laughs> yeah, he indeed. should never watch Pocahontas. <laughs> I know. Mads, one star, June 2016. Not the greatest movie ever, but is a classic. Nobody said it was the so greatest movie. Is it one star or five star? I might have said that, but also it's one star or five star. One star review, not the greatest movie ever. It's a classic. That sounds like one at least a three. Oh yeah, right, right. Spirit. Ooh. They say poor. September 2018. At the end of seeing this movie in the summer of '75, I asked for my money back. It was that poor. Did, did, what? Not a review either. They posted on Amazon. If anything, that's about an the time they went to the cinema in 1975. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Martin Betjeman. Holding grudges much. Jesus. <laughs> and that was from right. 2018. So that's 25, 35, 43 years later. He's like, finally, I can have the vindication. Finally, I have a forum <laughs> where I can put my <laughs> views forward. I'm going to make a well-articulated argument. I got my 50 cents back. <laughs> 43 years ago, I didn't like a film. Thank you for joining me. I like the idea that he's Very been good. reviewing on every platform, hoping that one of them will be the main one. That I, like, I didn't look at his other reviews, but maybe he's got other reviews where it's like, Yahoo I, film. I saw this movie in the cinema in 1984 and I didn't ask for my money back. That's just his review. Like just whether stars. or not he did or not. Yeah, right? did not request refund. So would, would watch again? No. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this up. Oh, After happens. five years, yeah, it the producer just, what do you do there, buddy? My headphone was falling off, so I adjusted it, and then I smacked my mic. You smacked your mic? That's not very professional. I'll smack right, my mic. On, <laughs> everybody, 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 take a moment, because we're just going to replay this and possibly remix it for the next 30 to 40 minutes. This podcast is now Second. just a remixed bloopers version of you knocking your mic over. Consummate professional. <laughs>
Anyway, right, so Martin Betjeman. Faint of heart, do not watch this movie, August 2005. The shark looked cute on the cover, but when I watched the movie and saw what, what it did to people, I saw myself. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I interrupted I could, you soon. I couldn't, I'm so I, couldn't, sorry. I, couldn't, I couldn't let you stop me. I had to keep going. The shark looked cute on the cover, but when I watched the movie and saw what it did to people, I saw myself. <laughs> I think that one might be a joke, but God help me, it made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, if that happened, that's worth a one Firstly, star, I think. Yeah, I mean, bear in mind, the cover is actually, again, another um, callback to the book, right? Yes, it was the, it's a paperback cover. Uh, the paperback yeah. artwork yeah. became the movie poster. Name Roger Catley, I think, is the yeah. guy in there. Sure. I- iconic poster as well, isn't it? Um, but at no point does that fucking shark look, look cute. No, indeed. indeed. So my last one it is a bit wordy, but it's great fun, so then bear with please me. Please, have it. Alex K. Hopefully not the Alex K that we know. <laughs> Don't sharks have enough problems already? From October 20th, 2005. What can I say? This movie is not only stupid, but also insensitive. Along with the fact that acti- the acting was terrible and the music was cheesy, I need to add something else. I am, along with being a big cat, hyena, wolf and wolf lover, also a shark lover. Sharks are both cool and beautiful. This piece of trash... So sharks are something they are not. Bloodthirsty, sadistic killers who kill for fun and destroy anything they please. Hey, humans. How about the fact that over a million sharks have died because of humans, but only a hundred humans have ever died because of sharks? Love to see your evidence for that one, Alex. As far as I'm concerned, anyone who likes this movie is insensitive to the cruelty sharks have had to go through. A message to director Steven Spielberg, you make me sick. If it were up to me every copy of this movie and any other movie, meant to make hate to any cool predator would be rocketed into space forever. I don't give a beep. And that's not me beeping. He's beeped himself. He's typed beep. He's typed beeped. I don't give a beep. It's in brackets, weirdly, and in capitals. That many people like this movie. They just don't see what I see. I can't believe I ever watched this stupid shit. Didn't beep that bit. If you are a shark lover or an animal lover of any sort, do not see this movie. It's just another way to represent sharks as evil just another way on the constant mainstream media portraying the sharks anyway anyway and Steven Spielberg is a jerk a very big jerk boy how he makes me puke harsh words in capitals anyway enough said I agree Uh, you've said enough don't see this work of insensitivity so this was a big thing after it came out that everyone's like, oh, the Jaws effect. Sharks are villains, and you're yeah. like, no, they're animals. They will eat some things. So he does. Wait, I'm assuming he, because he's on the internet being a dick. So I'm just assuming he's got a penis. <laughs> um, yes, the Jaws effect is a real thing. Yes, there was more sharks killed because of this fear that this movie created. However, this person is a nut job. <laughs> yeah, but on the plus side, he only vomited and didn't soil himself. He did. He didn't soil himself. Indeed. Indeed. The only other ones were various things about how there were a couple of reviews that did make me laugh about exactly what we said earlier. Well, I bought this to watch with my children, but in this new version, all the women are topless at the beginning because you can see the boobs. <laughs> all the women? The, the one the woman? The one woman, yeah. yeah when, when I watched it in the yeah. 70s, through a badly worn, yeah, badly projected film. I'm pretty sure that that scene was cut back in. I do not remember jiggly no, boobs running down there's the beach. No, there's not, Bilbo's not messed with the cut at all. It's definitely not. So it's just re- But it's just re-coloured. the uh, DVDs and Blu-rays are, are better than stock from VH, 1974. VHS yeah, and, VHS. and the rerun on ITV. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. indeed. No matter how much you play with that tracking button, you still can't see them titties. 
It's going to stare off into the, the system. The mic story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for 4K. Why? Because you can finally appreciate... unscrambled of You can finally X. appreciate film in the medium which it was meant to be seen. It's yeah. like, yeah, but also... The, the titties look amazing. Never saw them titties in 1974. Uh, Getting a real insight into the mind of the filmmaker here. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that finally was yours. We've done it. Wait, you Are haven't you? done your reviews. Oh. I'm pretty sure that the reader, the well, reader, the look, listener I, is aware. I, I dislike okay, one no, shit smear. He, he's right. He loves it. I, I really like this film. <laughs> okay. I literally spent most of yesterday trying to work out what Jaws tattoo I want to get. And it's got to be the poster, right? It's got to like, be the poster. But like a line, like a line piece with the woman on the top of the water with the shark underneath. Thinking maybe my right arm. Or it's, sure. just, or it's just Hooper's face on your leg. Or shark jaws, but in the middle of the shark jaws, my butthole. Oh, I thought you were going to say a pizza. <laughs> sure. Instead of a shark, it's a pizza coming out of the water. <laughs> But okay. you have to anyway. see if you can like fracture it. So if you zoom right in on the butthole, there's more shark jaws. Exactly. There's always more shark jaws. <laughs> there's always more shark jaws in the butthole. So the you, you so you really loved it. Rob, however, I mean, hated it and saw himself you, you and then left to review. <laughs> so how do you feel about it? All right. How do you feel about it? So um, as I said, prepared off, off mic. Yes. Um, I actually study this for GCSE Media Studies. And I'd seen it a load of times, but then watching it in class, because we kind of watched it over a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I completely forgot about the famous jump scare. Or well, the head coming out. Yeah, and I was the closest one to the TV, mm. but like at 90 degrees, so it was me in school. I wasn't really paying attention, because yeah. I was like, I know the film. Because you were at school, then, so you weren't and, paying attention. And then I looked up <laughs> seconds just before what? the shock, and then did a very, very... You know, you saw ob- ob- <laughs> obvious jump scare reaction. Yeah, 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 Did you yeah. squeal like a little? To which everyone's like, yeah. Do you know that bit um, was an added jump scare added by Steven Spielberg? Yeah. So that was filmed in um, the editor's swimming pool with a tarp over the top of the pool to make and it a foam head yeah, yeah. to make it look to make it look like a sea because he was like, we'll get one more scare in. He had to shoot with his own money because Paramount wouldn't. Unsurprisingly, they wouldn't give him any more money yeah. after they gave him more than twice what he said he needed. Yeah. But I love the fact that it's it's had re-releases in cinemas. You get to sit on yeah. the big screen. The fact that I've well, seen, seen it, right? Yeah, in I've, Jersey. I've seen it three times. I've seen it twice in Jersey and once in the UK. But, I've, you know, the fact that... The film print's really good now. The shark still yeah. works, right? It just yeah. does. It just... Every time they do a new print... I mean, they, now they release a 4K. Hopefully they'll do another cinema release. It'll be... I go and see it tomorrow. Yeah. I've seen this, I've seen Jaws in the cinema twice with people who haven't seen Jaws before. And I spent most of the time watching their reaction to Jaws. Because seeing somebody actually soil themselves when that head pops out is very enjoyable. Because you're, you're He's sitting Jaws right Bird. here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a Jaws voyeur. I watch from the I watch from the closet while my wife watches Jaws with another man. <laughs> so, quick recommendations if you like Jaws. That's a whole different thing. Spielberg, innit? Oh, hang on. Before we get on to the recommendations, okay, there are a couple of bits in my notes that didn't really fit anywhere else. Okay. So, um, uh, there are... Uh, Two, in fact. Okay. <laughs> the first is mm. the scene with um, Brody and Vaughn mm. in the hospital. Yes. Can we appreciate that when you were making movies in the seventies, it was completely okay to smoke a smoke cigarette in, the hospital. in a hospital? <laughs> yeah, it really does. It's and there so are bits to me that I know we talk about, like the the golden age of, of um, like cinema and tobacco and yeah, the relationship yeah, yeah. they're in. But yeah, there is a fantastic. 
there are two call outs to smoking in this film yeah but the best one is he's just sat there mm. having just walked through ER yeah smoking a fucking fag love it the other one is Brody's having a fag when he's waiting for the ferry right and he's shooting himself he's got to get on the ferry well no it's also it's Hooper's uh, please don't smoke in uh, here yes of during course. the, the second this autopsy. was not a boat propeller uh, yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the second thing I'd like to touch on is, uh, and this I suppose speaks to our producer's point with regards uh, recommendations, uh, there is a musical adaptation of Jaws. Oh, I know. This is so exciting. Jaws the musical. The, 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 yeah, this is very exciting to me. It's very it's, exciting. It's, I hate musicals and I'm still really excited. Bad. Is it really uh, bad? Well, yeah, it's basically... Can we get the guys who make Bob's Burgers to make an animated Jaws music? Probably. Oh, my God. So I'm quite sure they made he... us all ten million bajillion dollars. Well, except we've just put it on the internet and we'll forget about it. Shit. Uh, if, but no, if they uh, listen to this, it'll be fine. If you Google Jaws the <laughs> musical... Send it to yourself, Mike. Jaws yeah. the musical has been put on, I yeah. think, probably two or three times. Okay. Uh, there are videos mm-hmm. of various I'll check this out because I haven't... I didn't watch the videos, actually. It's... Because there's the... It's the shark, gold. The shark, it's solid gold. It's the shark doesn't work. The shark isn't working which is like a musical about the making of the making yes. of the film but then there's actually honest to god yeah is it like a person in a shark costume playing the shark well it's a person I'm a shark yeah chomp 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 yeah <laughs> yeah I now want to watch that yeah I could do too Quint, Quint's introductory song is called Amazing. You Know Me I Know You <laughs> You all know me and what I do for a living. Yes, that's incredible. But that put to music. But here, <laughs> I love it. And put on it. by basically a bunch of Andram like guys. Andram people, yeah, oh, it sounds incredible. Is, is the Indianapolis <laughs> speech also to oh, music? I don't know, so I didn't good. watch all the videos. I I must be able to, get, be able to get the book online. You could definitely get the rights to this musical. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's incredible. Local production. That's, That's what, what we're hearing. doing. If I've got a podcast to the do anymore, where Hooper goes well down in the cage. A, yeah, yeah. I says, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe this might be it. Um, I wish I could see so clear, but I've got no spit. The yes. lyrics. Magic. Oh. That is magic. That is anyway, true magic. So that's the last... So recommendations, Jaws <laughs> Musical. That's it. That's the beginning Put and end. The Put it on. The Alpha and Omega of Jaws recommendations, Jaws the Musical. Don't fuck about with two and three. Watch four, but, like, have a few beers. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> we have, we have been. <laughs> we should have cut it there. Yeah. So that's it. We have been. We drunk. See you later, nothing. fuckers. <laughs> Just cut it. <laughs> so over the course of uh, four and a half years. Yes. Four and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, if you. Uh, I was just a little boy. Go. No, you. Honestly, go back on the Instagram <laughs> right. and look at Rob and Mike when they first started. Oh boy. We are unrecognisably old, yeah. weary. I used to be a Swedish woman called Olga. You did <laughs> briefly yeah. back in the day. Like a super awkward week. <laughs> but also, how you identify is your choice, right? So, um, so I've got a couple of questions for you. Right. To the nearest ten, how many hours do you think it would take to listen to all of the episodes of We're Done Coming Things? <laughs> Including this one. Um, 
75. Oh, close. It's 120. 120, wow. Which is, last time I checked, about five days. <laughs> oh my god. So, yeah, yeah. if you're just joining us, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got a week ahead of you. Unlucky, yeah, to pick this one to be the first one. Um, we've had long episodes. We've had some laughs. We've definitely had some laughs. We've had uh, short we've episodes. Had, our shortest episode? 18 minutes? Yeah. Is, is that Aliens? Or was it Blade Runner? Or was it Bots? It was F- episode four. That's because we were trying to go and watch a rugby. We were trying to go and watch the Six Nations. <laughs> and it was pissing it down the rain and we were stood about under that umbrella this time four years ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Talking about bots. You're talking about bots, but not for very long. Talking briefly about bots. That's very funny. Um, our most popular episode still remains Black Holes, which... Really? I genuinely, up there for a while. I genuinely think has led to a lot of very disappointed people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To everybody who has uh, stuck with us, and uh, I mean, believe it or not, we, we make light of them, uh, but we do have an audience. We yes. have yeah. listeners, we yeah. have people who've commented, who've reached out, who've showed their appreciation. Indeed. We um, have the old super fan. We do have, we do have an one odd very super odd super fan. He yeah. is odd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to all those who you know, came out when we decided we were going to do the show live oh, in yeah. a pizza place. That's good times. To everybody who's ever listened to this, whether or not you're still listening now, I would say thank you. 100%. For vindicating three guys' choice to... <laughs> Find an excuse to go to a pub once a month yeah, yeah. and drink way more than we should. Yeah. I mean, most people just use football, right? We, we, we totally legitimize this in a very yeah, different way. 100%. Yeah, exactly. No, no you, and you're right. And you're right. Anybody that has put up with us for 20 minutes, good on you and, th- and thanks. And, and, and what you've learned is if you tell your wives you're going to a pub to record a podcast, mm. they have no interest in coming along. Yeah, this is counts as a hobby. What the fuck am I going to do now? <laughs> what are we all going to do now? <laughs> please, 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 let's not end it on what are we all going to do now. That's so grim. All I'll say is thank you for listening. I love you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> There's an entire back catalogue. Um, by the way, this this big goodbye almost certainly precludes us coming back for a, a special of some variety at some point. We'll be back to do something. So just, your podcast client is cheap. Leave us in there. Yeah. It might pop up one day. It'll go ping and you'll be like, oh, crap, these guys, I remember them. Exactly. It's probably going to be us, us informing that our producer has unfortunately died in oh. a savage... Crocodile wrestling accident. It was bound to happen one day. I maintain it's, it's he was trying to fuck go, that. Man. I maintain he was trying to fuck that crocodile. <laughs> oh yeah, but it was bound to happen one day. <laughs> and my usual sign-off doesn't really apply because until next time. Well, in a spiritual sense, until next time. <laughs> I honestly don't know what to say. I'm honestly a bit of a loss for words. Like, follow, subscribe, buy our merch. <laughs> Ring that bell. Uh, and like, follow, subscribe for no additional content. It's a win. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah tell your friends. Low this content's still out there. Download it. But no, in all seriousness, because this is now getting to a point where we are rambling slightly. Um, 
I'm waiting for the obvious moment to drop the axe. Thank, just thanks. Thanks. Thanks for the laughs. Stats. <laughs> I know I'm just sending in the yeah, sending the clowns. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it rich? Isn't it queer? Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Losing my time. That's the second verse of Sending the Clowns. It is. God damn it. Bye. What about I mean, it all sounds great through these. Gadgets. <laughs> anyway, okay. Keep it wherever you want. Oh. I can think of a couple of places I'll put it. And then we'll talk about where I'm going to put the iPad. (sighs) Talking about my penis. (laughs) My penis. You know it's going to happen. You've either got the mini or the air. They're going to get get into sex toys eventually. It's all all peripherals. You know what I mean? (laughs) Let's fly. That's in Discovery. That's her new, like, captain's trademark. When Instead of being, like, make it so or, what? like, engage, she says, let's fly. So lame. But they're not flying. It's like, what, there's, like, Saru like is trying to think of, there's a whole episode where he's trying to think of his little captain's catchphrase and he can't come up with something good. And then she sits in the chair at the end and immediately says, let's fly. Does she let one fly as she <laughs> says it? Let fly. That would be incredible. And then black mode. Thing, let, let's fly and then Take just starts it, it's black alert it's brown alert <laughs> she says let's fly and then just audibly and visually starts pissing herself <laughs> whoa let it fly ah whoop whatever whoop, yellow whatever. alert yellow alert yeah. <laughs> clean up an old <laughs> I'm an old person top fingering <laughs> top puts an edit point in you say the word fingering and edit point goes in 